air at Banbury Racing Radio. This is Tuesday night, uh, November the 1st, and we are doing our NASCAR race review of Martinsville. Uh, we're going to start out in our first half hour. We'll talk about some short track news. We'll also give you an update on the ARCA West Series as well as the Truck Series. Another one of those series raced this past weekend. But uh, after that, we will give you a review of the NASCAR Xfinity Series Round of Eight Elimination Race at Martinsville Speedway. At 9 o'clock, we have the media interview with the NASCAR Cup Series winning team, the number 20 of Joe Gibbs Racing's Toyota. Uh, it would include Coy Gibbs. He's the vice chairman and COO. Then we, Adam Stevens is the crew chief and the driver, Christopher Bell. Afterward, we will review the NASCAR Cup Series round of eight elimination race at Martinsville. And, of course, our hot topic sound off will start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time here tonight. So uh, we should have a full house for our hot topic conversation as well. Joining me shortly, I believe, is going to be Sal Sigala, our co-host. He's not here yet, uh, but I will get started with some short track news here. Uh, we do have uh, a lot of things going on. We've got the unofficial results uh, from the All-American 400. Stephen Nassi came home as the winner. Uh, that race was run on Saturday instead of Sunday, as originally scheduled. Uh, it was uh, the top five were Stephen Nassi, Gio Ruggiero, uh, Kyle Crump, Casey Johnson, and Derek Thorne came in with a top five finish. The next five drivers were Dylan Fetchko, uh, Connor Jones, Gabe Summers, Matt Craig came in ninth, and Michael House. So uh, I believe there was a little bit of uh, action uh, for that race. Let me see if Sal's here yet. He's not here yet. Okay. I know Sal was there, so I was hoping uh, we could hear from him about uh, what happened at the All-American 400 and uh, kind of get his perspective on that. So hopefully he will be here uh, very soon. Um so Devin Morgan claimed the World Short Track Championship at Charlotte. Uh, Steve Nassi again won the explosive All-American 400. The race was decided by the leaders crashing at, after taking the white flag. So um, oh, where's Sal? Uh, there's Sal. I'm going to have him kind of talk about what happened out there. Sal, you were at the All-American 400 this weekend. Can you give us a rundown of uh, what happened at the end of the race? Oh, it was exciting. It was, uh, um, gosh, I, I can't remember who the drivers were. But anyways, Stephen Cole Nass Butcher. and uh, Craig, Matt Craig. Yeah, no, it was um, actually Stephen Nassi won the race. But um, mm -hmm. it was... Uh, it was a, a, a everybody knew it was coming at the end. Anyways, it was a, there was a big crash with uh, with Nathan, uh, Cole Butcher, and, and gosh, I can't remember who the other driver is. And anyway, Stephen Nasty ended up ended up winning the race. He was sitting in third, 
and watched everything happen in front of him. It was it was after it was after um, Cole Butcher had him and Derek Thornton had, had collided with each other. Derek was coming in from second and collided with um, Cole Butcher. Kind of door slammed Derek, and uh, so the the yellow came out because they put Derek to the back of the Derek spun, and then on the on the restart. Nasty and uh, um, Cole Butcher again, and Nason and gosh, I forget who the other driver was. Um, they got they got actually actually they got torpedoed by by Cole Butcher, and um, Cole Butcher caused a big pile up, and then on the ensuing restart. Um, then Nasty Nasty jumped to the front and took the lead and took the win. Okay, so uh, a lot of action uh, taking place at the All American 400. Uh, all involved in a scary wreck, but they were all able to walk away under their own power. So that was good. Oh yeah, um, Nace had got in the air when when he came when he came past the start finish line went by us. And um, when uh, when Cole Butcher tried to make it three wide and go for the win, um, he knocked Nathan into the tire barrier and he got up he got up sideways. And, uh, and then after he got up sideways, of course, he didn't know where he was. He went straight into the barrier and crashed. Mm. But um, all the drivers walked away. They all walked away okay, and uh, you know. Of course, like I said, Nasty was kind of holding holding back. He Nasty, he Nasty never even had a card that could have won that race. I wow. talked to him all day. Yeah, I was talking to him all day about how his car was, and it was. He just goes, you know, Sally goes. I just don't have, I just don't have it today, man. He goes, he goes, but well, we're gonna go up there and give it our best shot. And, well, um, he was in the right place at the right time, and that All-American 400 guitar is pretty sharp. They've got a picture of it here at uh, Racing America. Yeah, yeah, I have. I've, I got it. I was a victory name for that, for all that, and um, it was uh, it was a great one for him. I was I was really happy. Beginning of the race, I even told him, I said, you know, Stephen, I says, I think this is going to be a race to win. He goes, ah, oh, he goes, because I didn't go to Friday's practice. I only went to Saturday's um, race. Because Manny goes, I don't think we have the car to do it. He goes, but it's, we're going to give it our best. And um, well, sure enough, he um, it's not always the best car that wins. It's 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 a guy that puts himself in position to win. It's the one that usually wins. Exactly right. Uh, now, I went over to Flow Racing. They talk about Rick Eckert concluded his season by scoring a super late model win on Saturday night during the Mid-Atlantic Championship weekend at Georgetown Speedway. So that that was very good for him and his uh, group. Yeah. I. You know what? I'm, I'm just getting started, Sharon. I totally forgot we had a show tonight. And I was mm. on the phone with a buddy of mine that, that's wanting pictures for uh, – for a race that I did like two years ago, and also I look at the time and it was 5:25. I said, "Oh man, dude!" I said, "Thanks for calling." He goes, "Why?" Well, I said, I, "I forgot we're doing our show tonight. <laughs> we never do it." Okay. 
We don't usually so do it on Tuesday, but with Halloween on Monday, we kind of moved it over to Tuesday. Uh, another big win that happened at Martinsville is NASCAR Cup Series driver Corey LaJoy won the Wheelan Modified Tour uh, race out there at Martinsville, and he gets to take home a Martinsville clock. Exactly. You know, oh, that's another thing. That Steven got to take home a guitar because that's what they give at Nashville. You know, for even mm-hmm. for the you for the uh, other races they give away, so so he so he, he got a guitar for his for his trophy and yeah, and then I like you said, Corey, yeah, then like you said, Corey DeJoy got the he got to take home the clock. Mhm. So uh, it was a big win for him uh, on the twenty eighth, and uh, he got to take home that clock. Uh, let's see, half mile. Uh, four drivers have a chance to leave as a champion. John McKennedy currently leads the points by six of the 2011 champ. Ron Silk, three-time defending champion Justin Bonsignor in third, 11 points behind McKennedy. But I believe McKennedy came home with that championship, or at least in the number one spot. After Martin. So you're 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 full racing now. What do you mean full racing? Flow. I'm at flow. Are you racing. flow racing? I'm sorry. I yes, yes. I'm at yes, flow, flow racing. racing. I didn't know what you were saying, Sal. I apologize. Oh yeah, are you at flow racing? I'm going there right now. I'm flying yeah, over there. Yeah, John real quick. McKennedy. Uh, survived a late crash to become the Whelan Modified Tour champion. Uh, he's a Massachusetts native, and he survived a late race crash while leading to win his first NASCAR Whelan Modified Tour championship. So uh, that was really good to hear, too. Yeah, it was. Um, let me see. Where's that story at? Right here. Brandon Overton rallies from Flat Tower to win. Wow. I'm talking about John McKennedy. Oh, John McKennedy? Mm-hmm. Which one were you? Oh, you were talking about the Corey LaJoy? No, I was talking about Brandon Overton, Rally from oh. the Flat Tire. But but you're, you're, you're way below that already, it looks like. Well, I was on the videos, I guess. Um so, but let's, uh, I want to real quick, yeah, I see your Brandon Overton story. Uh, Brandon Overton rallies from a flat tire to win the National 100. Uh, that was in uh, Phoenix City, Alabama. So that was pretty cool. And Jake Swanson delivered the Western World Perfection at Coca Pa. So, oh, very cool. Now, before we run out of time, I want to make sure fans know that uh, the ARCA West Series is going to have be at, they're going to have their season finale along with NASCAR's top three series at Phoenix Raceway on Friday, November the 4th at 2.30 p.m. It will be live streamed on Flow Racing, and uh, they'll have radio coverage on MRN, Sirius XM Channel 391 online and uh, also 381, and it'll be available at arcaracing.com as well. Uh, 
this is going to be the season finale. It's going to be on Friday. Uh, Jay and I will do a more in-depth uh, preview of that race on Thursday night's show. Uh, but also, the NASCAR Truck Series uh, did not race this weekend, but they will be racing again uh, at Phoenix. And the Lucas Oil 150, that race is also on Friday, November the 4th, at 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time. And it will be televised on Fox Sports 1 with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Again, Jay and I will be really busy on Thursday night previewing the Truck Series as well as the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. All season finales for the ARCA West and NASCAR's top three series. So uh, big races coming up this weekend at Phoenix. Oh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to have the, you know, like you said, you know, that uh, actually they're going to do four, uh, four, uh, four championships. Yes, they are. This weekend. <laughs> they're going to well, do the four ones already champions. Decided. Yeah, huh? the one's already said, Arca West has already decided. It just takes yeah, him to get in his car and start the motor. And um, mm-hmm. and then that's it. So he's already, he'll be champion of that. And then you got the, um, the then we got the, the Cup trucks and Xfinity, which are going to be exciting. Did you get a chance to watch the Xfinity or the Cup race, Sal? You know what? I, I, I did watch a Cup race because we, um, we got back from what happened was that all American 400 was supposed to run Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And because of the up. rain, they moved it up to Saturday. So we, we went, we went to go, to go see some sites Sunday morning. They, my wife had already had a plan for earlier then. Um, so I, I was able to come home and watch the cup race. I didn't watch the Xfinity race. I recorded it, but for some reason my DVR didn't record it. Hmm. So I know, so I, okay. but, but I was able to still catch highlights at the end of it. Okay. So you know, you know so, what happened. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. It, it was obvious. I mean, it was all, it was all over. It was um, all over the track on Saturday. Oh yeah. Saturday night. That's all everybody talked about was, was what it was. Ty Gibbs. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series and our our review of that race. Uh, The winner was Ty Gibbs at age 20, uh, driving the number 54 Monster Energy Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing with crew chief Chris Gale. It was his 10th victory in 50 NASCAR Xfinity Series starts, his 6th victory and 22nd top 10 finish in 2022. It was also his first victory and third top 10 finish in four races at Martinsville Speedway. Now, Sheldon Creed ended up in second place for his first top 10 finish in two races at Martinsville and his 12th top 10 finish this year. Riley Earps. He came home third, posting his fourth top ten finish in five races at Martinsville. Uh, Sheldon Creed, actually, in second place, was the highest finishing rookie of the race as well. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people um, questioned that finished, uh, and they thought maybe NASCAR would issue a penalty. NASCAR did not. Uh, but uh, a lot of people were disappointed, including 
Uh, in fact, we're going to have the uh, uh, audio from the media interview after the race of, uh, when Christopher Bell won, but Coy Gibbs is part of that uh, group. And I'm going to play the, uh, just over eight minutes so you can hear what Coy Gibbs said about his thoughts about how he finished. Uh, and it wasn't good. So Ty Gibbs pretty much wrecked his teammate Brandon Jones on the final lap so that he could get a win at Martinsville. He took no prisoners Saturday with a race-winning movie move that dramatically altered the composition of the Xfinity Series Championship for field. Entering turn one on the last lap, Ty Gibbs wrecked his teammate Brandon Jones for the win in the Dead on Tools 250 at Martinsville. It was his sixth win this season. Uh, Jones dropped to 23rd in the finishing order after the wreck. Sheldon Creed tied his best career finish at second. Raleigh Erbst, as we mentioned earlier, finished third. Then it was Noah Gregson and Justin Algauer rounding out the top five. Sam Mayer came home in sixth place, the number 48 of Nick Sanchez, Daniel Hemrick, Austin Hill, Blaine Perkins filled out the rest of the top ten. Now, Jones won the opening stage, his third stage victory of the season. Gibbs took the second stage, his eighth stage win of the year. Gregson, Gibbs, Algauer, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but there were 18 lead changes among six drivers and four cautions for 91 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 60.401 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top ten, Sal? Yeah, you really can't. I mean, real quick, you can't take um, the winner points away or expect Ty Gibbs to get uh, um, penalized for that move because they didn't do it. They haven't done it to anybody else. Right. So, you know what it is, what it is. I mean, in short track racing, we do have a rule that you cannot wreck the leader, but it's mm-hmm. usually within, you know, it's supposed to be the last lap, but actually they, they do protect the leader most of the race, you know, like say the last 10, 15 laps, you know, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't wreck the, the leader, you know, to advance to the, to the front, you know, or else, you know, you get tagged to the back. NASCAR don't have that rule. So I know everybody wanted a penalty, but you know what? It, it's been done all season. The win is the win. Yep, it is. All that's all that has to be taken care of internally between Ty and and um, uh, and Brandon Brown, who was involved in it. You know, however, Brandon Brown wanted to handle it, but or Brandon Jones, I'm sorry, uh, Brandon Jones. You know, so but I mean, going back to the top ten, like you said, you know what? It was good to see Blaine. You know, he he only does two or three races a year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good to see him. You know, grab get a top ten finish. Um, yeah, Sheldon Creed, you. you know, right there. You know, you know. Um, watching everything happen, you know, hoping to get a win before the season ends. He still has one more race to get that first Xfinity Series win. Safety with Riley Herbst, you know, finishing third. He's been, he's been strong the last half of the season, um, you know, posting some really good finishes. Um, mm-hmm. As far as Gregson, you know what, Gregson is Gregson. You know, he's always going to be up there. Um, you know, he's, um, you know, this will be his last season with the series. But, you know, to see Blaine Perkins get the 10th, you know what, and, and and Nick Sanchez, you know, these are drivers, you know, that don't, um, you know, that are usually drivers, you know, you don't see around the top ten in Xfinity race, you know. So, like mm-hmm. I said, it's good to see, you know, to see that. And, um, 
you know, uh, Tiger's got to win whatever happens from here on out. You know, it's 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 going to be all on him. Um, now he's I will showing say, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Grandpa Gibbs said he wasn't real happy with how that race ended, and I think his dad kind of felt the same way. Uh, but they felt like they would handle things internally. So we'll see what happens. I think yeah, you know, make and, and private. yeah, I mean, you can't make it right because you know, unfortunately, you know, it happened. It happened. Um, you know, once again, I, I and I shouldn't dabble into the into the in the Christianity side of things, but you know what? Um, you know, Tide really didn't show. Didn't, didn't he's not he's not walking his the walk the way he talks the talk. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs is the same way. Joe Gibbs is not is not walking the walk the way he talks the talk either. I mean, what he's what he's been doing with Cowboys that's on a whole different story though. But whatever happens with Ty Gibbs, I mean, Coyce, you know, to come out and say, you know, you know, a, a lot of it, you kind of wonder if it's all if they're just doing that to try to save face, or if they really mean it. You know, that's the thing. They they could sit him. They they could possibly sit him down to really make a statement and not let him run for the championship next week. If you really want to mm-hmm. make a statement, sit him down. If you really want to mm-hmm. show people you're that you're that strong Christian, sit him down for the championship race. Don't hey, you know what? You took the championship away from your teammate. You know what? We're gonna, we're going to take it from you because you know we we own the team and we, and we want to set an example, you know, that, that we don't we don't want our name, the Gibbs name to be associated with that type of behavior, that type of driving, and, and you've been doing it all season. So, you know, so now it's time for us to make a statement and take something that you really, really want away and, and, and let you know how it feels because of all the other drivers you wrecked. But they won't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to, I feel if you want to make a statement, sit them down for – there's one now, if we'd have been in the middle of the season, sit them down a race, hey, the championship race, take it from them. I was uh-huh. my son, and he did that. I, I would tell him, you know what? I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. You aren't. You're, you're not going to be this year's champion. I'm uh-huh. sitting you down for the race. Yeah. You know, teach him a lesson. Well, that, that's the only way. We'll that's the only way you can happens. teach a kid a lesson. It's not going to happen. They're going to let him race. Well, and keep in mind, he's racing against uh, three other junior motorsports drivers. And Brandon Jones is moving over to Junior Motorsports next season. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out at Phoenix. But you know what? you got to remember, too, Sharon, three three Junior Motorsports drivers, yes. Are they going to want to wreck them? Because then you got a chance to wreck it yourself. Well, and there, here's the thing, too. NASCAR's already said they're going to be looking for any kind of retaliation moves taken against Ty Gibbs. So if they're, they're not going to do it, nothing. They... Yeah, uh-huh. they're going to watch. What are they going to do? Find them? Oh, we're going to find you. Give you the... real quick. Let me go back to probably five years ago. I think Noah Gregson and Chris Hagelston were were fighting for the championship. There was like three or four points that were separating them when when it was Ken and West Series. They went to Roseville the race before, and Noah felt that Chris deliberately spun him you know, so he can take the, the lead in the championship points and get the win at Roseville. So now we go to Phoenix where the championship races. The last lap comes around, and Noah has a shot at Chris Eggleston, and he took it. 
And you know what mm. happened? Noah ended up in the wall. And Chris mm. ended up with the championship. And, and, and Noah took that shot. Mm-hmm. Know, he took the shot to, to, to wreck Engelstead. Exactly what and you're after, saying, yeah. And and after they asked Noah, he goes, he goes, you know what? He goes, he did me wrong at at Roseville, you know. And, his, and if if he wanted to wreck me at Roseville, you know, I would have had the points lead big enough to where, you know, I would have just had to have a good finish. He goes, so he goes, so I figured, if I, you know, I'm gonna, if I had a shot, and I and I took it, and he wrecked mm-hmm. himself. So I know that's in the back of Noah's head. We'll we'll not take a shot at Ty Gibbs, if if Ty's up there, you know, gonna take the championship from him. Uh, it, it, I would like to see it. Because I know that has to be in the back of Noah's head of what happened at and the same track happened at Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see if any mm-hmm. of, I'm curious if any of them will take that shot. If they're in front well, of Ty, they're not going to take it. They're not going to wreck them. Mm-hmm. Too much at stake. Okay. One race left. My opinion. Okay, so some of the uh, playoff drivers did not finish in the top uh, ten at all. Some did. You had Ty Gibbs, he finished first, Noah Gregson in fourth, Justin Algauer in fifth. Sam Mayer uh, is not a playoff driver, but I think he's uh, competing for points. Austin Hill had an incident after the race. He finished in the top ten. He he clocked uh, Myatt Snyder over uh, something that they weren't happy about. A.J. Allmendinger uh, finished in 16th place. Uh, Sammy Smith, I also uh, competing for uh, owner points, uh, is uh, 18th. And uh, Brandon Jones ended up with that 23rd uh, place finish. Josh Berry finished 20th. So um, uh, we're now down to four drivers, Sal. Do you want to cover the uh, four drivers that will be competing? Yeah, let's see what let's see what we got going on here. The four drivers are all competing. We really know who they are. Yeah, it's been all over all over the news, and and it's it's and it's not going to change anytime soon. But um, so fighting for the championships could be Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, Ty Gibbs, and Justin Allgaier. And just so you, just so you know, I know it shows that Justin Allgaier is twelve points, you know, minus twelve points, but um. Actually, well, Justin he's actually Algar, 12 you know, points to the good. Almondinger is 12 yeah. points below. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know why they showed that because there's only one race left. That was kind of mm-hmm. that was kind of didn't make too much sense, you know. AJ uh, Almondinger missed it by 12 points, and then Austin Hill, Sam Meyer, and then of course Brandon Jones, you know, was the eighth place mm-hmm. driver. So um, next week, next this week, and next week, this weekend in Phoenix, you know, it's going to be a battle of, like Sharon said, you know, it's going to be three three junior motorsports cars against the one um, Toyota, Toyota car, you know. And what happens, you know, next week is going to, we'll, you know, sure NASCAR can say, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, but is NASCAR really going to do anything? I seriously doubt they will. It might be a it might be a monetary fine. might be about it, but I don't think they're going to, they, they can't step in and do something when it hasn't been done yet. Well, one thing that I've been kind of calling for um, with NASCAR uh, during our hot topic conversation, I'd like to see NASCAR come into next season with the ability to make the calls on some of these uh, things 
uh, in the race instead of waiting two or three days later to give us, you know, a penalty that was given to somebody. I know in some cases you can't help that because they've got to break down the car. But some of these calls, I think, could be made during the race, and they're not. And um, I think they need to kind of clean that up a little bit. Uh, now, the next race for the Xfinity Series Championship with those four drivers that Sal mentioned will be at Phoenix Raceway on Saturday, November the 5th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on the USA Network. Uh, they'll have qualifying on Saturday at 2.30 to 3.20, and then the single vehicle, uh, it'll be a single vehicle impound uh, race. So practice will be from 7.05 to 7.55 on Friday. And, again, radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Uh, they've got the entry list already up uh, for this race, and uh, only four drivers uh, can compete for the title at, uh, at Phoenix Raceway. So it's going to be... It's going to be a fun race to watch, without any doubt. Yeah, and, and you know, Sheridan, back on what you said, NASCAR can put a ruling in and say, hey, you know what, anybody intentionally spins the, you know, for next season. You know, if anybody mm-hmm. intentionally spins the leader, you know, you're you're going to go to the, we're going to make the call, we're going to put you to the back. They do that in short track racing right now. You know, we're, yeah, you know, all our big races. Yeah, I mean the Southwest Tour, they they implemented it. They implemented it, and it, and it works. You know, um, you know, it, it makes them race for the lead. It makes them not just go up there and just and just dump a driver. You know, the Snowball Derby. If 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 Derek Thorne would have spun and not been able to keep control, then um, uh, what's his name, Chandler Smith would have went to the back. Mm-hmm. Because Derek Thorne yeah. didn't lose control and kept going, and technically, Nicholas Rogers should have made the call and and sent Chandler Smith to the back anyways because of the way he he hit Derek. Because there mm-hmm. was for a previous year before that when Derek when Derek did the same thing, and and they sent okay. him to the back so, and, and that was, yeah I know I I think that's a really good point but we've got to move on because I've got an eight minute. Uh, audio thing. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot we had the the audio. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I've got the eight-minute audio that I want to play from the number 20 team uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing. Christopher Bell, for the second time, and the only driver who's ever done this, he's raced his way into the next round. He did it in the round of 12, and now he did it again. He won the elimination race for the round of eight to go on to uh, compete for the championship. So I don't think he got his due on on Sunday because everybody was so amazed with what happened with Ross Chastain. So I wanted to make sure we played audio for him uh, tonight to acknowledge his victory and his accomplishment of twice racing his way to the next round. So we're going to listen to uh, over eight minutes here, and then Sal and I will comment afterwards. All right. We're going to now um, roll into our 
post-race press conference here for our race winner. Christopher Bill will join us here in just a few minutes. So we're going to go ahead and get started with race winning crew chief Adam Stevens and team <clears throat> representative Coy Gibbs. Coy, thanks for joining us as well. Um, Adam, I'll start with you. If you don't <clears throat> mind to take us through that race, those final kind of laps there, um, we had Christopher on a Zoom earlier this week, and he was very focused and very um, <clears throat> confident that his team could pull this off. So tell us a little bit about this week and, and how you guys executed today. Yeah, it was uh, just a, a great weekend, honestly. We uh, didn't have the best race here in the spring. Um, but we learned a lot, and since then our programs made a lot of progress um, and didn't have the best test here in August, uh, but we learned quite a few things not to do, and the 11 learned a few things that were working for them, and, and we kind of took that and, and made it our own um, coming into this weekend and um, had a decent practice. Uh, Bell had some good feedback. The balance wasn't where we wanted it, but... Uh, we had decent lap time in it, um, especially with laps on tires. So we really felt like if we could get the balance um, to hang on, that we'd have some speed. And uh, didn't qualify well, but we knew we had a good race car. And that first run there, driving from 20th up to, I think, 7th, um, I knew that we really had something that could contend for the win. So it was just a matter of um, keeping the balance where he wanted it and adjusting to the racetrack. And... Um, putting him in a position that he could do his job and, and uh, he just did such a good job being aggressive when he needed to be and and um, taking care of the tires when he needed to and, and had the opportunity to and um, just maximized the, maximize the whole day and, and the pit crew um, had an outstanding day and stepped up to the plate and nights like this days like this are what this 20 team is capable of so it's just a matter of everybody performing at their highest level and this is the result all right We've now been joined by our race winner, Christopher Bell. Congratulations, Christopher, on that win. In the interest of time, we are going to go ahead and roll straight into questions. We're going to do our best to get to as many as we can. And to kick us off, I'm going to start with Dustin Long and then Jordan. Go ahead, Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Um, Christopher, second round in a row where it's a must-win situation. Um, what, what have these playoffs been like? What I mean, is this is this what you expect out of yourself? Have you learned anything about yourself the last few weeks? Just I mean, what, what's the last month been like with what you've had to face and the ups and downs? Yeah, I mean, it's just been a a roller coaster of emotions for sure. You know, I think I've been praying for off weeks or off season for two out of the last four weeks, and now I'm I'm ready to race again. So, you know, it, it the round of twelve was extremely disheartening because you know I felt like the round of eight was going to be really good for us and and that would have led to a possible championship run but then when we got out of Texas with uh, DNF and Talladega sucked and uh, you know just being so down but uh, you know the the team behind me everyone at Joe Gibbs Racing they they still perform to their highest level and you know I feel like whenever I get in the car and I put my helmet on uh, I I try and do as good of a job as I can of, of not letting anything bother me and you know they uh, I don't know like no matter what's going on you know behind the scenes whenever you get in the car you, you can't let that bother you and, and you know the they, they gave me a great race car today the, the fastest car today and then at, at the Charlotte Road Course when we needed to win um, you know the, it worked out for us 
Also, uh, Coy, uh, obviously it's sweeping the weekend, but with yesterday's win, there was there's certainly some some controversy with 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 how Taiwan. How, how do you address that moving forward, and what kind of an impact is that having on their organization with only having one car in the championship, where potentially could have had two in the, in, the, in, the, in the championship? Yeah, no, I'll answer that first. Though, two hundredth win, thirty first year. We've been in business, so that's huge. Um, that's exciting for him. We actually still have our first employee, Jimmy Makar. He's getting ready to kind of shift into a different role. Um, yeah, yesterday is disappointing. Um, that's not what we wanted for our race team. Um, so, you know, we haven't met as a group yet because we've been at the racetrack and all over the place. But we'll meet, and we're going to deal with that internally. Inhale that. I agree with you. It would be awesome to have two cars. It would have been awesome to have two. I thought we had two cars in the chase today until a white missile went by at the last second. So, um, but no, just, just excited for Christopher and fun. Like a lot of times you don't get to see them grow. You know, you've, you've got an older guy that's coming in and already established. So that's, that's what's exciting for me. And Adam and all the guys just did a great job. Pit crew killed it today, so um, that's why we race right there. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're young, you make mistakes, and hopefully you learn from them. Um, I think that's the message that we'll deliver to them. Um, and obviously with teammates, that's a whole different ball game. So there's a couple things we need to go over. Um, like I said, we haven't met as a group yet. We'll meet. Our leadership group will meet, and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with the situation. All right, Jordan. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. This question is for Adam. Adam, you're the only time, only two-time active crew chief, uh, championship-winning crew chief in the garage. Does that give you any kind of leg up on anybody going into the finale? Um. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I know what to expect um, out of these weekends. Uh, we had a streak there where we went to quite a few of them in a row, um, and we finished in every possible spot you can finish in a, in a four-car battle. Um, so it happened to be first a couple times. Um, so, you know, other than that, probably not. Uh, it's going to be who can bring the best car and do the best job. Um, but I, I think we showed what this team's capable of tonight. Um, so... I feel really good about the spot we're in. I feel really good about the progress we've made this year as a team and with our setups and our package and, and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I know what the weekend's all about and the week leading up to it's all about, and we're going to go there and see what we can do. The second question is for Coy. Coy, when, when you see these moments that Ty has been in this year at different times, is there any question about whether he's fully prepared, whether he has the maturity to handle uh, a cup on a full-time basis next year? Well, I think that's part of the process, and that's why you work your way up um, so you can make those mistakes, typically a, a lower level. Um, so, you know, there's <clears throat> look, he's my kid. I appreciate his aggression. Um, but sometimes, you know, you got to pull back a little bit. And it's probably this is a place where we need to pull back some and just talk to him and explain to him that doing that affects not just – him, it affects our whole company. You know, all our sponsors, all the people we deal with, affects Toyota, obviously affected Brandon. Um, so, you know, those are the things that maybe you're not thinking of 
in that split second, but hopefully we can <clears throat> we can get with him and, and, and educate him on those things. All right, Claude, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Um, but uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. We did hear from Christopher Bell. We actually heard from everybody, Christopher Bell, Adam Evans, the uh, crew chief, as well as Coy Gibbs, uh, the team uh, team representative there. Uh, what are your thoughts about their comments, Sal? This is the reason why I've said from day one that kids under the age of 21 should not be allowed in the Cup Series or in Xfinity. Bottom line, I'm done with this conversation. They are they are too immature. They don't know what they're doing. I don't care how much you tell them, you talk to them, they ain't going to learn. How many times has Coy talked to Ty and told him not to do this? How many times have other drivers talked to their, to their sons, even the teammates talk to their kids? But bottom line, the kids' mentality at – at their age is not they are not their mentality is not progressed they still have they're a kid let them be a kid don't don't mm-hmm. don't choose them to be an adult plus that's a whole bunch of bull crap about the lower series the lower series is not Xfinity I'm sorry Coy the lower series is late model racing super late model racing at your local short track that is lower series it mm-hmm. is not Xfinity Bottom line, it is not Xfinity. Xfinity is, is when you've proven yourself from the truck series or even the or even the Arca series that you can handle this. The kid has not come up with the right way. They're pushing him in, into something that he has no business being in, and the kid is not progressing. As far as his mental attitude and his outlook towards the whole racing thing, he has not improved one bit. He's getting worse, and putting him in a cup car is the worst thing that this family could ever do to that kid. And I've, and I've said this to other kids, not only him, but other kids that I've seen in short track yeah. race. I've told parents the same thing. You know what? Back back up and, and, and leave your kid here at Irwindale. Leave him at Kern. Leave him at wherever. But do not stick him in a truck, K&N, or something like that, because you, you, all you're doing is you're hurting him. And, and, oh, and, I agree and with this you. Is, and right here, this is that... Ty Gibbs is a perfect example of somebody that 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 has advanced too fast. The only thing that was on Ty Gibbs' mind, if you listen to his interview, is the spring race, and he said uh, he felt that uh, Brandon Jones had uh, pushed him out of the way in order to win in the spring, and so he was all about uh, doing that back to him this fall in order to get that win. And that's the only thing that was on his mind. He was not looking at the bigger picture, was not even crossing his mind what the bigger picture was of that situation. And um, uh, he's 20 years old. He's, <laughs> he's got some growing up to do. We've seen other drivers go through a learning curve. And sometimes it takes a really tough conversation uh, to have with somebody uh, for them to finally get it. Uh, but uh, Kyle Petty was not very kind to him, and uh, uh, he has come across very, very arrogant, and it's exactly the kind of things that he's saying uh, that 
are getting him in trouble, I think, as well. Uh, not just what he's doing on the racetrack, but what he's saying when he's off the racetrack. Uh, he's not helping himself. So hopefully they have that hard conversation uh, with Ty Gibbs and and they do address it because I think it would really do Ty Gibbs a world of good uh, to kind of have that serious conversation. Um, and then Adam Stevens and Christopher Bell, uh, I, I'm so proud of both of them. Uh, Adam Stevens, of course, is a two-time champion in the Xfinity Series, uh, and that experience is showing up for Christopher Bell, and he gives him a lot of credit as well as his team uh, for, you know, preparing a good car for him in order to accomplish uh, racing his way into the championship from last place uh, into the next round after the championship 12 or after the round of 12 and then from the round of eight into the final four. It is a huge accomplishment, and he has a, you can tell there's a lot of confidence in that team. You know, he has no one else to, to thank when you think about it. You know, he has to thank those people because those, those, he's not Christopher, uh, un, unlike his, his um, sprint car program, you know, the same thing with um, with all the other guys. That, you know, he, he, he's not hands-on with the, with, the, with the building of the cars because, first of all, the team's not going to allow it because he's got no experience with it. You know, as, as mm-hmm. much as he could spend all, all the days at the shop, you know, but the bottom line is, is that you know what he'll never touch the car because, you know, of the level they're racing at. You know, and, and you know, you you of course you give a lot of credit because if you ever met Christopher Bell, yeah, he really is a really on. nice kid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean, really he's, sorry. He's really a nice kid. He is. He is a great kid. Uh, and we're gonna go do our review now of the Cup Series race. That took place at uh, at uh, Martinsville this weekend. Christopher Bell was the winner. He's age 27. I think a lot of people don't realize that Christopher Bell is 27 already. Uh, he drives the number 20 DeWalt to Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, and crew chief Adam Stevens uh, is part of that team. His fourth victory in 107 NASCAR Cup Series races. His third victory in 19th top 10 finish this season. It's his first victory and second top ten finish in six races at Martinsville Speedway. Kyle Larson finished second. It was his fourth top ten finish in 16 races at Martinsville and his 18th top ten this year. Ryan Blaney finished third, posting his eighth top ten finish in 14 races at Martinsville. And Harrison Burton, who finished 12th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Now, um, uh, again, Christopher Bell uh, pretty much had that. He had another miracle in his pocket, but Ross Castain actually stole the show with a scarcely believable video game move in the final corners of the Xfinity 500 at Martinsville. For the second time in as many rounds in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs, again, Bell won the race he had to win after beating the pole winner Kyle Larson to the finish line by 0.869 seconds. Bell will race for the series title this Sunday at Phoenix Raceway. Um, Larson again finished second, followed by Blaney. Keselowski, 
finished fourth, but he was later disqualified, uh, meaning that Chastain finished fourth, followed by Hamlin, uh, Joey Logano, William Byron, Bubba Wallace, and Chase Briscoe. I think that uh, Chase Elliott to a top ten finish. Bell came into the race needing to win in order to advance. He took the lead under pit stops with just over 100 laps remaining. He lost the lead during the final pit stop and restarted the race in sixth place with 24 laps to go. He worked his way through the field to take the lead with four laps left and held on for the win. The final championship four spots uh, we will cover in a minute. Uh, Hamlin had the advantage uh, the the spot for the fourth driver came down to Chastain or Hamlin. Hamlin had the advantage with one lap left, but Chastain gained five spots by flooring the car and riding the outer wall to finish by and passing Hamlin just before the finish line. So uh, eliminated from the playoffs were Hamlin, Blaney, Byron, and Briscoe. Stage one and two were both won by Hamlin. There were eight lead changes among five drivers, six cautions for 53 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 77.239 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top ten here from Martinsville, Sal? Yeah, you got you to congratulate Christopher Bell. What a hell of a job. I mean, we can sit here and talk yeah. about Ross Chastain's move forever, but you know what? It's already been talked about. I mean, he's in the chase, but, I mean, you really got to take your hat off to to a driver that I don't think anybody except for Christopher Bell thought he could do it. Um, done it once and then do it twice. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know where he pulled that rabbit out of that hat. But, man, I was watching towards the end when he came in for that last pit stop and then started making his move to the front. And then when he finally That's got to the time. front, you know, to hold, yeah, to hold off, you know, to hold off, you know, Larson and Blaney, you know, for the win was, was huge, you know, and, and, you know, and then, you know, you're watching the, the clicker, you know, between Chastain and Hamlin, you know, as far as who's going to make the, who's going to get that final spot, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, Chastain comes up to the, you know, riding the wall and, you know, take, takes a spot from Hamlin, puts Hamlin out of the chase out of another championship hunt again, like I said, for the beginning of the season, Hamlin will go down as, as another um, Mark Martin that will never win. I don't think he'll ever win a cup championship. He just, I mean, but either way, you know, um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, but I'll tell you, man. It was a Hail Mary move. Yeah, it was, but you cannot stop talking about a hell Mary move and what Christopher Bell and that team and that team did, you know, to get him into the playoffs and, and give him a shot. You know, will they will they have a a legit shot at the championship? That's will be seen this weekend coming up. But um mm-hmm. like I said, you know, you gotta you really gotta take your hat off to that team, you know, what they did, you know, to put Christopher Bell to give him to give him a shot and basically put it in his hands and say, Okay, here's your car. We we're giving you a car that you can win and Last pit yep. stop, we're giving you fresh tires. We're getting you. We're getting you here, here. now. You know what? It it's all on you now. If you don't win, it's on you. If you win, it's it's all on you. But you know, well, he did a great job. Possibly, he did it. It was yep. awesome. It was it was just it was just so neat I'll to tell see. You I, what, mean, I was like, I was on my feet jumping. <laughs> 
I wasn't jumping up yeah. and down, but I was on my feet just like the crowd for the finish of that race. I've never seen anything like that in my life, and uh, it was it was almost. It, it was almost unbelievable to see it as it was happening, Sal. It, you couldn't believe what you were watching. And he was coming. Somebody uh, described it as it was cartoon-like. Uh, he just rocketed from 10th place up to 5th place with that move between 3 and 4. He mashed the gas and held the wall and uh, put it in 5th gear. And, and they were saying, nobody Nobody was running fifth gear at Martinsville, uh, but he was able to pull that off, and he he executed it perfectly, uh, and that is a one-of-a-kind move, I'm telling you. Yeah, you know, there's, of course, you know, with that move came a lot of controversy, you know. Um, you know, will, will NASCAR allow it? Are they going to say something? They'll, they'll probably address it at the end of the season, but what, what, what can be addressed other than, in my opinion, I think, and it's always been whenever a driver has hit the wall like that hard, as hard as he was on the wall, they usually throw a caution because they think that something's going to happen. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think for whatever reason, they erred on not throwing, not throwing the yellow flag. But, um, well, they saw what uh, he was I know doing. That, they saw that he was moving. Uh, well, even though I, I he was what, hugging the wall, it, he was moving. It wasn't that. I think what it was, I think they were in shock. Everybody because was usually when shock. a driver... Yeah, because usually when a driver goes up in the wall like that, as soon as they hit the wall, you know, they ride it a little bit that hard. You know, most fouls off when they're riding that hard, they throw a yellow because, if, you know, the car's going to come apart, tire's going to blow, you know, he's going to fall over. But I think it, it happened so quick. It was a just shock. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they had a chance to react to it, and they'll never admit it anyways. But, um, you know, it was, well, it was good for NASCAR. they're going to look at it for next year. Yeah, oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, they said they're gonna they're gonna you know, look at it, you know, see if it's you know, if it I don't know if you read my article. I don't know if you've read my article, but my my opinion I wrote an article on it at Fan for Racing. Uh my opinion is that that's exactly what the playoffs were intended to bring out, is people doing whatever they can to make it into that final four and that's exactly what Ross Chastain did. It was a Hail Mary move that you see in football when somebody throws the ball that 50 yards and makes it. And um, that's what Ross Chastain did. And I think it would be foolish of NASCAR to discourage uh, that Hail Mary move. Uh, The other caution that I did put out there, though, is that he made a perfect execution of that move. So anybody who's thinking about doing a move like that, you need to do it exactly the way Ross Chastain did it. He didn't hurt any other competitors. He wasn't disrespectful of any other competitors. He executed that move perfectly. So before anybody else thinks that they can go out there and do that, uh, they've got to make sure that they they executed as perfectly as he did. Okay, then of course, then there's a downside to to okay to a move, mm-hmm. not to that move, but to a move. Okay, now let's let let's say that that Ty Gibbs wasn't in the chase, and he pulls up behind Brandon Jones and taps him, and moves him a little bit. 
is, is well, that fault. This is the thing that NASCAR is going to have to. This well, is where it comes to yeah. catch. Well, it becomes a catch twenty two situation because because if if, if they're going to let if they're going to let Ross Chastain or that move to get into the chase be legal when when technically he didn't touch anybody. Like I said, he won't hit the guy's hand. He, he ramped ramp, ramp, number six ramp a right little bit, him. but that was it, huh? Yeah. I mean, I mean, but still, I mean, what if a driver would have moved up in his way? You know, it happened so fast. What if a driver was, was coming out of the corner and moved up and got in his but way? It and wasn't. He would have hit him. It's, I, it's what okay, if, but there's that it's possibility. It's It didn't happen. There's still a possibility that it could have happened, Sharon. There's still I'm that possibility. I'm not saying the possibility doesn't yeah. exist, but it didn't. Uh, a lot and, of times we want to make a rule on a what if, though. I know. And... And, and that's that, that's where NASCAR makes their rules on what if. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at the what if. Well, you know, I see it's in the so driver's fast. hands. It's in the driver's hands, Sal. The drivers I, I have to decide different. how yeah. they want to race each other. Uh, and unfortunately, Plus, we've got an see. attitude that driving with disrespect is an okay thing to do these days. I would like the drivers... Uh, to be a little more grown up about it and showcase their talent instead of their brawn on the racetrack. I don't like seeing okay, drivers that knocking really the talent? driver out of the way. Was that really talent what Ross did? Well, he did it perfectly. It's never, it, it wasn't. Oh, I know. Well, well, one time. That don't. That's not saying it it's going to happen like that. It's not like it's not like it's going to happen like that all the time, like a like a slingshot move or um, you know, or a, or a slide job, you know, a slide job, you know, they do them all the time. This thing okay, is okay. I mean, well, it, you're entitled you know, to your I, opinion, I'm, I'm, just I'm, like I am. But I no, I, no. I I just look at it very differently, and you, so do you. You look at it differently than me, and that's okay. I mean, at, at as fast as he was coming, he, there's no way he could have seen more than two cars in front of him. Yeah. Five, six cars in front, one third of a car on the wall. There was no way he could have slowed down in time. No okay. way. As fast as he was coming, you want to stay he on was, for hot topics with us because we're down to two minutes I now can't. and we haven't covered the points I know. yet. Okay. So, anyways, let's get to the points. So, the points are Joy Logano, Christopher Bell, Chase Elliott, and Ross Chastain are all fighting for the championship on Sunday, which is going to be a, a really good. Championship. I still, it's I still got my money on Joey Logano. I've had my money on Joey since the beginning. It's going to stay with Joey. Sorry, Chase, you are not getting another championship. Joey will get the championship. <laughs> Chris Bell will not get it. Ross Chastain. Everybody's got, everybody's got their yep. pick. And uh, it is going to be exciting because I think, I think it could be any one of those guys. It's, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I, I think Chase is just—I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm still fighting with my boss about it. I'm supposed oh. to be there, and and but then I—I I mean, I'm—I'm I'm trying to make the the Arca race, the Xfinity race. I can't make the rest of the weekend because we have our 40-year um, high school reunion this Saturday. Mm. So, so, nice. so that took me out of—I know it took me out of everything except for the Arca race that's ready Friday night. So I'm trying to get to the Arca race Friday night. And then, oh, cool. um, and then I'll watch the Xfinity race before we go to the reunion. And then Sunday, then I'll watch the... Are you going to uh, be able to stay on for Hot Topics with us? I can't, Sharon. You know, we just got back from Nashville, and we're still unpacking. I'm tired. It was a yep, long, short trip. 
Yeah, but and I, I still got it. I, I'm still trying to get my stuff ready for my reunion on Saturday. I haven't even flipped the clothes or nothing. I got to work. That's what we're going to do. Sandy's looking at me right now like, you know, let's get our clothes together. We got, what, three days? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we'll let you left. go. Um, I'm glad you had a good time out at Nashville, and uh, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to, you know, uh, we have one more review show, Sal, and that's next Monday yep. night. So looking I'll look forward, forward to, to talking to you a week from tonight. Okay. Or, uh, actually, Monday night, not a week. Yeah. All right, you guys all have fun, and, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, take care now. All right. All right. It's time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us uh, for tonight, I believe we have Jay here. Welcome to the show, Jay. Yeah, I'm I'm here. Uh, hopefully the service will hold up. I'm trying to eat at the same time. So, But I know these first topics, each each person's going to be a little long-winded, so I know i got a few minutes in between <laughs> each body. <laughs> that, that is true. And then I believe we also have, I think this is Mike. Mike, is that you? Oh, yes, it is. And I, it sounds like I stepped into the middle of Hot Topics between you and Sal. You guys got off to a head start on us. <laughs> yeah, he was on a roll there, but we, we were, like, running out of time. Uh, and I was trying to get to uh, who our, our championship four were. Uh, but, yeah, I will represent him uh, during Hot Topics. But also joining us for Hot Topics tonight is Tommy Kraft. So welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Okay, it's always good to have you. Okay, we're in Hot Topics, uh, and Jay, or Mike said it. Sal and I kind of got into it a little bit uh, early uh, during our preview part of the show. But let's go ahead and uh, let's get into our NASCAR Hot Topics. Uh, and, Mike, I'm going to let you pick the first Hot Topic here for tonight. Well, I mean, you guys are already into it, so why not just continue the discussion? Ross Chastain's move at the end of Martinsville to, as he described it, video game his way around turn three and four <laughs> and end up getting his way into the championship four out of it. What's everyone's thoughts? Okay, so, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I don't think, like everybody has been saying and everything, nobody has seen that um, ever happen. I mean, uh, Kyle Larson tried it last year at Darlington, but, I mean, he still came in second, which, I mean, Chastain didn't even win the race, but he got what his goal was, which was to uh, advance to the championship four. But, I mean, it didn't even look real. I mean, it looked like he was in fast forward on the replay and everybody else was slow motion. I mean, even in real time, because I was watching the race and was just, I mean, could not believe it how he floored it, stuck it to the wall, and it worked. I mean, it was crazy. Because um, Carl Edwards was the original that tried to do it at, like, Kansas or Chicago land or something. I don't remember. But, I mean, he hit the wall, and Jimmy Johnson still won the race. Um, and then Kyle Larson tried it at Darlington and didn't work out. But, yeah, I can't I can't believe it. I still can't believe that it happened. And then after the race, Logano and Larson are all like, oh, that should be legal and all this other stuff. No, I, I mean, Larson did say, well, I tried it last year, but it's a bad look for the sport. 
I think Larson and Lagana are just salty that um, that it worked and it paid off for Chastain. That's what I honestly think. Um, you know how you feel about Hamlin. That's how I feel about Lagana, Sharon. I just I don't <laughs> I don't like that guy. I do not like him. And him sitting there saying, "Oh, NASCAR should outlaw that or whatever." Don't listen to him, NASCAR. Listen to anybody else but him. Um, that move was awesome. I mean, it honestly shows to me, too, that, like, Chastain's willing to do whatever it takes because that was an extremely aggressive move. And the best part of it all is this. Denny Hamlin's been talking straight up smack about how he's going to pay Chastain back for that race at Gateway. Well, <laughs> Hamlin needs to put his foot in his mouth because <laughs> – Chastain just beat you to the championship four, and you did nothing. I mean, how ironic is that? Okay, Jay, your thoughts. My the the overall echo uh, what Tommy said. It was absolutely awesome. Um, per Dave Moody, I don't know the the actual statistics or verifiable data, as Mike calls it. He said it's happened three times in 75 years in NASCAR. Tommy mentioned two of them. Carl Edwards tried it at, with Jimmy Johnson. That was a little bit different. It was a dive bomb move. But Kyle Larson did it at Darlington or tried to do it. This was the first successful attempt at it. You have a sold-out uh, place of Martinsville all standing on their feet cheering. You have media outlets that are covering it that wouldn't normally even think about talking about NASCAR. What's not good about it? Okay, you got a couple drivers. Tommy mentioned a couple of them already. Kyle Larson, and and I haven't yet figured his out because, like I said, he tried it uh, tried it last year at Darlington as a dirt track driver. So I'm not sure why he considers that embarrassing, uh, and couldn't even defend his question when he was asked about it in the media center after he had made it. Joey Logano. I listened last night to the late shift. Uh, Todd Gordon was on there. Todd Gordon talked about that they did simulator work for Phoenix when the championship started going to Phoenix. They actually did simulator time on possibly trying that move. So Joey Logano is another one. I guess he wants it outlawed because he didn't have the, we're going to use the word guts. Uh, I know there's different words being filled in on different posts, but (laughs) Kevin Harvick said guts. Yeah, uh, Joey didn't have the guts to do it. And the timing of it, and this is why I don't see why people are screaming for rule change. The timing of it was just the right time. I mean, everybody else was fighting for the bottom. He had a clear lane up top. He passed five cars without touching one of them. You know, Saturday, Uh everybody was screaming, oh, Ty Gibbs, he he ought to be kicked out of NASCAR because he can't win a race without touching somebody. Ross Chastain didn't touch nobody. He touched the wall, touched it hard, but he didn't touch another driver and completed it. And I know Sharon, you like Brad Keselowski, but it didn't hurt him. He did, right? That gave him a bump there at the end, and that was as they were crossing the start-finish line. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Sharon, I know you saw it. I said, "Well, I'll fix football. If, you, if you're going to throw you a pass over thirty <laughs> yards, you got to throw it underhand. So we don't have the hell mary half-court shots in basketball." You don't do it every play. It's a last-ditch effort. You've got no other options. I mean, you think about it, especially in the area where I'm at, the uh, Music City Miracle and the Tennessee Titans made the play they did. You don't see them doing that every time. 
It's when they got no other choice, and it's a wild take a chance, and it may or may not work. In this case, for Ross Chastain, it worked. So I don't see the problem at all, and I am happy to see Ross Chastain in, and it happened to bump out Denny Hamlin. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, if you listened earlier, you heard uh, Sal and I kind of talking about this. His take was that what if? It, it's the what if question. What if he had hit somebody? What if he had you know, hit that gate and turn four. What if he had hit another driver? Um, and what is it that da- da- uh, Dave Moody calls that, Jay? People are coming with a solution trying to find a problem to fix. Yeah, it didn't happen. Here's the thing, it didn't happen. Ross Chastain made a calculated move. He saw the opening, he thought about it, and he did it. He knew it was going to be his only chance. Uh, And they talk about race car drivers have that kind of mentality. They're not looking at what's going to be the problem. They know when they get into the race car that they're taking a risk every time they get into the race car. He, He took a calculated risk. And it paid off. But it was a good calculated risk. He saw the open lane, and he did it. He moved from 10th place to 5th place. He did not touch another driver uh, except for Brad Keselowski passed the finish line. He did not uh, hurt anyone. He didn't do anything that was disrespectful of any other driver. He did what he had to do. And isn't that what the playoff was intended to do? I did write an article for Racing.com, and it, it, the, the, the whole playoff system was put into place for the Hail Mary football moment to happen in, in NASCAR. NASCAR finally got their Hail Mary football moment, and the fans were on their feet. I was on my feet watching from home and cheering. Um, I can't think of more exposure. That one move has gotten more uh, priceless exposure for NASCAR than any other move that I think I've seen in NASCAR. Others have tried it, but they were not successful with it. And and Kevin Harvick made a comment. He said, some people talk about it, but Ross Chastain did it. So others do it. And that's exactly what happened. Ross Chastain did it. And he did it well. Uh, and I think he should be applauded for doing it. Um, it. It was one of those make or break moments. And uh, he knew that it could have gone bad. Uh, but he did everything in his power to make sure that it didn't, and it didn't. So uh, I think if if any other driver wants to give it a shot, they need to do it exactly the way that Ross Chastain did it and not touch another driver, don't be disrespectful to anybody, and make it happen. Uh, If they're going to do it, they better make sure that they can do it exactly the same way that he did. Um, Mike? So I'm really torn on this. On one hand, I agree with you all wholeheartedly. Awesome move by Ross Chastain. I mean, that was a stand up and and, and jump up and down in front of the TV, kind of shouting in disbelief kind of thing. 
great publicity for the sport. It was number one on Sports Center's Plays of the Weekend mm-hmm. on an NFL weekend. Great publicity for the sport. Phenomenal. Great to see. I'm happy for Ross. And I know Jay, really the reason that Jay likes this so much is because if Denny Hamlin had advanced into the championship four, I would have won our playoff <laughs> bracket. But I got Ross chastained. And as a result of this, Jay has clinched our playoff bracket because we both picked oh, each no. for the championship. So Jay's, Jay's got me by six points, and there's nothing I can do about it. So that's probably why Jay likes it so much. <laughs> and I, I wholeheartedly agree with you all. It was great for the sport this weekend. But, and here's the but, there is a point that these drivers have of this door is now open. Logano, Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe, and others were saying – We've seen it happen. We've seen it work. How are we going to make it work for us? And the drivers have a tendency to need to be saved from themselves. I think Kevin Harvick has used that a few times in discussing various other issues that have come up in the sport where drivers can't be told to know better. If something might work for them, they're going to do it. Whether it's going to work for them or not, if they think it will, they're going to do it. And when – Ross Chastain did it this one time this weekend. That was awesome. It's going to be in every best of NASCAR highlight video for the rest of the time. YouTube is a thing. It will be there. My problem is think another, think, think a couple more steps ahead of time. The next Martinsville race, when you have 10 guys all grab fifth gear and they all hit the turn three wall and try and ride it around. And the third guy in line clips that, that access gate, rips it open. And then the next four behind them all pile in. Now we're on Sports Centers. Look at these idiots in this NASCAR race and this giant pile up at the end of the race. And I see this as a bit of a parallel to road course racing in the state that road course racing is in NASCAR now. We used to have some of these Hail Mary moves in road course racing where one guy would make a, a really bold move and, and way overdrive it into a corner and make it stick and make an incredible pass, and, and that was great. But now everyone tries to do it. And road course racing is nearly fundamentally broken now because everyone is trying that Hail Mary move on every single opportunity, and it creates an absolute mess like what we had at Indianapolis a couple weeks ago. So that's my concern is this one great move that worked out wonderfully this weekend will get picked up and run with by way too many people, and it will end up becoming a net negative that looks bad for the sport in the long run when this catches on and it becomes more than just one isolated wow kind of a moment. That's my concern with it. As far as whether NASCAR should make a rule about it or not, I don't know how you would make a rule. This would probably have to be uh, deterred via some sort of a modification, put one of those blue turtles or something along the edge of the wall somewhere to deter this kind of a behavior. But – I don't know that they need to do it immediately, but if this thing starts catching on and becomes a more common tactic, that might be something they need to look into. Okay. Well, NASCAR said that they're going to look at it for next year. Tommy, what are your thoughts? Um, so, yeah, I don't, I'm about like Jay. I don't really understand Kyle Larson being the one so being so vocal against it because he tried it at Darlington and he finished second. But, I mean, he got on the back of Denny's bumper. Like, he could have moved Denny and won that race. I bet you if that would have happened, he wouldn't be saying anything. So, I just think it's really ironic that he's one of the ones, along with Joey Logano, of course. Like, that was the first thing Joey said when he got out of the car was, we need to outlaw that immediately. Like, like not even 
wow, you know, that was a great move. Can't believe you pulled that off or any of that. Well, it was just straight, let's outlaw it. That's why I don't like that guy because I could see Joey being the one that does it and, you know, calling himself the hero of the year. And I just I just strongly dislike that guy. Anyway, um, I just I still can't believe it. I mean, and the best part of it to me, too, was after he got out of the car and he said, that's only worked one other time on NASCAR 2005, the GameCube. That was awesome. And, Mike, it was actually the number one play on SportsCenter uh, Sunday night against football, which is amazing. I mean, NASCAR beat out NFL football. How often do you hear that? <laughs> um, number one play on SportsCenter. I, I just still can't believe it. Like, even after watching the replays Monday and Tuesday after watching it live, it literally – does not look real. He went around the track. I think it was the fastest lap in 75 years in Martinsville. And just unbelievable. I mean, I wanted to pick him for the Phoenix race, but Sharon got him, so I had to pick Chase Elliott. But, yeah, I was like, shoot, I'm going to take Chastain. That dude's going to do whatever it takes to win that race. Um, <laughs> and I, another, th- another thing I like, too, is like you said, Sharon, he didn't wreck anybody. He did, I think, bump into Denny Hamlin and Brad Keselowski coming across the finish line, but he didn't wreck them. And, I mean, he, you know, it was like a Martinsville bang and bump type ordeal. It wasn't a, a you know, a plow, get out of my way type thing. But to me, that is the best part is him going from 10th to 5th, and he needed to be in front of Denny Hamlin to advance in the championship four, which I think he only needed two spots, but – if Andy was on here, because I don't think Andy likes um, Denny Hamlin either, him crossing the line in front of Denny for fifth spot is epic, especially after all the crap him and Denny or Denny's been talking about. He's going to pay him back. Denny, you're going to have to wreck Chastain at Phoenix if you want him to not win the championship, and it's not going to benefit Denny because you're out. <laughs> so um, just – unbelievable and you know that's why I feel like when I was on the last podcast on Thursday of last week I said Martinsville for the playoffs is a do not miss race and once again it was a do not miss okay Jay your follow up uh, you know and, and thinking about Kyle Larson too of not only had he, he tried it there um I lost my train of thought. Oh, going back to at Phoenix when uh, Phoenix and the Roval. Uh, I don't know what year it was when he got in at the Roval by driving around in a obviously broke and busted car, bouncing off the wall, couldn't even steer it, but finished in the position he needed to because somebody was stopped on the front straightaway. Okay, he shouldn't have been driving that car because he could have hit somebody. You know, he could have hit somebody else, but it didn't happen. They didn't make a rule that if you hit the wall and your steering brakes, you can't go forward. Coming up to <laughs> Phoenix, look at Phoenix where they go below 10, 20, 30 feet. I don't know how far it is. They go below the racing surface. Are we going to outlaw that? I mean, that's part of that racing. And as Mike is saying, though, if everybody does it, it's crowded down there. You stay up on the track. So if everybody's going to try and run the wall at Martinsville, which, again, it's, there's got to be a reason and accomplishment with it. He didn't just do it for the fun or the thrill of it. They said he needed two more positions. That was the only way he was going to get them. So, you know, 
that there's no reason to go, this is going to happen every week. I just, I don't see that. Um, but coming into Phoenix, I mean, that, that's the one that pops into my mind because somebody had said, and like I said, Todd Gordon admitted that they had done some simulator time trying to work it out and look at it, and it just wasn't going to work. I know the new car raises that possibility, the fact that Chastain did it. And again, if there's a wide open lane at the top and when somebody in fourth thinks they have a shot at it, we may see it again. But I still don't see the reason to try and make a rule against it. I mean, you want to spend millions of dollars to try and win one race or whatever it is. I don't know what the car costs, but um, I know they talked to Justin Marks about that. For this one race in this particular instance, yes, it was worth it. Is it going to be every week to get one, two, three, four, five positions? No. So they're not going to do it. Why are you trying to fix a problem that isn't there? I understand, especially when it comes to Martinsville, and I know several on the, the radio throughout the week already have called in, go back to Michael Waltrip's with the Bristol Gate. That clearly is a concern, and I think if anything, NASCAR is going to look at, for not just this reason, but overall, ways to improve on that so that gate issue isn't a factor no matter what. Because, again, Michael Waltrip wasn't running the wall. It just happened to hook the right way and hit it at the right point. So those are things that, yeah, are a possibility as far as safety and other things can be done. But as far as the driver making a move to try and pass cars, I don't see it. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And and the other point that I wanted to make is that, you know, everybody's always screaming all the time, the drivers want it to be in their hands. Well, this is in their hands. Uh, they are going to have to make the choice about how they're going to deal with this. Um, they have to, and I make this point in my in my article, the drivers, before they think about doing something like this, they've got to make sure that they can execute it the same way that they, Chastain executed. Uh, if there's if there's cars up in that upper lane, Chastain probably wouldn't have done it. There wouldn't have been an opening for him to do it. There were no cars in that top lane, and so he had an opening to do it, and he took it. Uh, it's not any different than a lot of times these drivers try to take an opening that isn't there. Uh, I get that, but... Uh, that, again, comes down to uh, racing with some respect. I, I really think that drivers are – I like to watch drivers showcasing their talent. I, I don't mind a little bumping and banging on a short track as long as you're not wrecking each other out. Uh, it's when you intentionally wreck another driver and take them out of contention that I think it's a cheap shot. I think it doesn't show any talent to do that. I can get out on a racetrack and wreck cars all over the place and win the race. <laughs> that That's no talent. I think that you need to showcase your talent. That's in the driver's hands to do that. Sometimes I, their emotions get the better of them and they do things that they later regret. I get that. But, um, again, he had an opening. He took it. It's not any different than any other uh, time that a driver sees an opening that they think they can take. Drivers sometimes go for that move. They think they've got that opening, and they realize they don't, and they back off. That's the kind of driving that I'm asking them to use their heads (laughs) when they're driving. And you're right. 
sometimes drivers need to be saved from themselves, but this is something that is in their hands. They just have to use their heads and and do it at the right time. Uh, it's in their hands, uh, and they need to show us that they know how to handle that stuff. So uh, I have to agree with what uh, Tommy said earlier uh, as to why Larson might be upset and think it's it's something to be embarrassed about. Well, he's embarrassed that he didn't make it work when he tried it. It didn't work. Uh, Joy good examples of things that he's done that didn't work. Um, and and I thought it was really interesting uh, that they're actually looking at how they could make that work with the simulator, uh, and yet Joey Logano is the one saying it needs to be uh, a rule against it. Well, why are you looking at it in the simulator if you think there should be a rule against it? I just think that sometimes... Um, Sometimes they're looking for the sound bite or something. I don't know what it is. But think about what you're saying before you say it because uh, I, I just think that this was a one-time thing that worked under the circumstances, and it's not. I have to agree with Jay. It's not something we're going to see every week at every track. Uh, you've got to find that perfect opportunity to make something like that work. Uh, and if the opportunity isn't there, then don't do it. If you don't think it's something that should be done, and I think Godfather Moody is the one who said this, if you don't like the move, then don't do it. It's as simple as that. If you think it's too risky, then don't do it. Mike? Sorry, you, you started talking about guys wrecking other cars to, to win a race. I thought we'd moved on to a different hot topic already because uh, I'm sure that one's coming up soon. But anyway, about the Ross Chastain thing, um, I hope you guys are right. I hope this does remain a very rare, infrequent, Hail Mary kind of a thing in some very specific circumstances and some very limited cases. If that's the case, great. Keep it on the very, very back burner, kind of like the Hail Mary in football. Um, if, if that's the case, good. If this becomes kind of the standard, hey, I'm, I'm running seventh, and I think maybe I can pick it up to fourth if I do this, and they start doing it every single race, I think it's going to lose its luster real quick, and it's going to get really old really quick. So I don't, think NASCAR needs, well, I don't think NASCAR needs to jump in and make a rule immediately, but I definitely think this is something to keep an eye on and, and make sure that it doesn't devolve into a, an intentional wreck fest. Even if you're wrecking your own car, at some point, that's kind of – I agree with Kyle Larson, and that it is a bad look for the sport if half the field is intentionally wrecking their car at the end of every race trying to pick up a position or two. That's probably more of an exaggeration of what the reality of it's going to be. But I think that, that this, like I said, this needs to, to remain a rare and uncommon thing and keep it special, and that's, that's as far as I want to go with it. Okay. Uh, Tommy, what's our next hot topic? Let's jump over to um, Ty Gibbs uh, totaling Brandon Jones to win at Martinsville and then called himself Jesus afterwards. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jay, your thoughts? I'm going gonna to have to take a couple of deep breaths here. I've been thinking long and hard about how to talk about this one. First off, the incident itself. Um, 
I don't think that was an absolute run over, wrecked him to win. Uh, the, the way he hit him, I think Brandon could have still possibly hung on to it. It just didn't happen. So, and we've seen that of all the way through. Tell me five drivers who wouldn't have bumped the guy in front of him to get that win, and I'll give you two of them, Mark Martin and Martin Truex Jr. So that, you only got to come up with three others that wouldn't have done it. Now, was it the smartest move? Being that he was already in, his Joe Gibbs racing teammate is all is in if he wins the race. Uh, probably not. And I think that Joe Gibbs is going to address that as, as he has stated his disappointment in that move, as well as his own dad, Coy Gibbs. So there's going to be some feedback on that move in and of itself. I wouldn't call it a dirty move, but it also wasn't the cleanest because Brandon actually went half a lane up. There was room for him to get his nose under him. And then you might have seen the bump up the track and Gibbs drive by and Jones not wreck. Um, not that that would have been a whole lot better, but I, I don't like the people jumping on him just because he supposedly hit somebody and knocked him out. You look at the last, I watched the last 50 laps of that. There wasn't a car out there that didn't hit somebody. Justin Algar, A.J. Almendinger went door to door and wheel to wheel, ended up with uh, A.J. Almendinger being the one with the cut tire. They called that good short track hard racing, uh, you know, so I, I don't see where that is the, the complaint. And I'm going to take a breath and address his response afterwards on my second go round because I need that minute break again in between these. Okay. Uh, Mike. All right. Uh, I'm going to need to take a breath first because I've got to agree with Jay and it hurts so much to do it. Uh, yeah. The the on-track incident, as far as, as Ty Gibbs eventually turning Brandon Jones, I don't think it was anything that merits a penalty. I don't think it merits punishment. And I think NASCAR was right to not make a, a, a determination about penalty or anything like that there. I think it was a good non-call. And like Jay said, if you watch the previous several restarts, because they had three or four right there at the end of the race, the 19 and the 54 used the bumper to move each other several times back and forth over the course of those previous restarts. So this isn't like Ty Gibbs just finally got up to Brandon Jones and put the bumper to him the first chance he got. This had been going back and forth over several restarts over that last few restarts of the race. So in and of itself, was it the cleanest move? Absolutely not. It was, it was definitely dirty, and I've seen better. I've seen better out of Ty Gibbs. Think back to Road America when he was racing against Kyle Larson and ended up beating him without laying a fender on him. That was Ty Gibbs at his best. And that's the problem, because I really want to like Ty Gibbs. I think he's phenomenally talented, and I really love that he sticks it to the people who, who want to just cry silver spoon on him. Because, yes, he's had some great opportunities because of who he is and who his family is, but Ty Gibbs is a phenomenally talented race car driver in and of himself. But this weekend, he was a phenomenally stupid race car driver. This is the dumbest thing that I have ever seen a race car. Well, I can't say ever seen a race car driver do because race car drivers find ways to be stupid in new and exciting ways all the time. But this was incredibly stupid because not only did Ty Gibbs knock his teammate out of contention to advance to the, uh, into the, the final four of the playoffs, now he's got to race against three junior motorsports Chevrolets, three teammates against Ty Gibbs, and he just told everybody where he stands on the racetrack as far as how he's going to race somebody. Oh, by the way, 
the teammate that he could have had racing mm-hmm. as you know, two JRN and two, uh, two Joe Gibbs racing teammates if he hadn't dumped his own teammate. That guy, he's in his last race before he goes and drives for the team that has three cars in the championship four. You really think Brandon Jones is going to help his teammate who just dumped him and Brandon Jones has one race left with these guys? No. So it's Ty Gibbs versus the world Phoenix. And when it comes to racing, the world tends to win. Unless, you know, you're Martin Truex, then you still lose anyway because, you know, he lost the battle and lost the war. But Ty Gibbs, he won the battle at Martinsville. He's going to lose the war at Phoenix. I'd be surprised if he makes it to the end of stage one at this point. And I hate it because Ty Gibbs is possibly one of the most talented drivers who has come up from, from the Xfinity Series in several years, probably since Eric Jones or William Byron. Uh, phenomenally talented race car driver, but he's got to get some self-discipline, self-control. And for as much as the guy loves to thump the Bible as soon as he gets out of there, out of the car and all glory to God and whatever, oh, he didn't do himself any favors with that crowd by comparing himself to the man, Jesus Christ. In a post-race interview, Ty Gibbs said, and I'm paraphrasing, but pretty close here, Ty Gibbs said, Jesus was hated, too, when he first started out. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was the dumbest thing Ty Gibbs could possibly have said. Because, I don't know, I'm not sure if this is a conscious effort on his part through the season or not, but it almost was like he's trying to, he was trying to make a PR campaign where there would be a certain group of people who say, yeah, he's a jerk, but he loves God and he loves Jesus, so he's okay in my book. Well, he's not okay in their book anymore either. They hate him too. So we don't know how this weekend could have gone worse for Ty Gibbs other than him not winning the race. That's the only bright spot in a really, really bad weekend for Ty Gibbs. And I'll leave it at that because I'm going to need a breath. I'm about to break down laughing here. Well, you're right. It was a dumb move by Ty Gibbs. He's not capable of looking at the bigger picture. The only thing that Ty Gibbs had on his mind is that he felt Brandon Jones moved him out of the way to win at the spring race, so he was going to return the favor in the fall race. That was the only thing that was on his mind. He didn't think about the championship race that's coming up. He didn't think about how that might affect the organization as a whole. He wasn't thinking about any of that. And you're right. Then to compare himself to Jesus was just phenomenally. They say dumb people don't know that they're dumb. And he is arrogant about it sometimes. I just can't believe that they haven't pulled him aside and given him that really strong uh, conversation about toning himself down because he's coming across as a silver spoon kid who can do and say whatever he wants because he's going to have support. Somebody, they say they're going to have a conversation with him. I hope it is the conversation that he needs um, because I don't think at this point he needs to move on to the Cup Series. I don't think that he is ready for the Cup Series from a, um, I don't want to say mental perspective, but let's, let's call it age. From an age perspective, he has not matured enough 
to move up to the Cup Series. And I know we've got some Cup Series drivers that do dumb things too, but Ty Gibbs does it over and over again, and I have not seen from him that he's capable of looking at the bigger picture. It's all about me, and um, uh, it's all about him, in other words, not me, myself, but him. Um, and I think he needs uh, to to really – there's something lacking in the discipline that that kid has gotten, and uh, I think it's showing. And I have to agree with uh, Kyle Petty on this one. He he displays a lot of arrogance. He displays uh, an inability to look at the big picture at this stage of his life. And I don't know if he's ever going to get it. But uh, I think he's embarrassing his grandpa. I think he's embarrassing his dad. And he did say, I don't know if you heard our, the uh, media interview, Coy Gibbs said he's my kid, and I know I've got to sit him down and talk to him. And we will do that. And Grandpa Gibbs said the same thing. Nobody wanted to see the race in the way that it ended. Um, of course, they're looking at it from their perspective, too. They could have had two cars in the championship race. Now they've only got the one car. Ty Gibbs did not have to do that. He had the five wins already. He was already guaranteed to be in the championship. He could have had a teammate, and he knocked him out of the race, and it wasn't a clean move. He hit him square in the back. He hit him hard enough that it buckled his rear um, hood. So I I don't think it was a, a normal bump and run kind of move. I have to disagree with that. I know they were bumping and banging and, and racing. I had no problem with what they were doing before because they weren't wrecking each other. This was a flat out wrecked his teammate uh, with a clear uh, hard move that put him into the wall and buckled his uh, rear hood. So I don't think it it, it was a uh, a smart move. It wasn't a clean move, and uh, I I do have a problem with drivers that race that way. Uh, it's not all about you. It's it, there's a bigger picture here, Tommy. Yeah. Um, so I didn't watch a lot of the Xfinity race from Martinsville. I literally cut it on at the perfect time. I cut it on with about. 10 laps to go, and mm. I got to see all those restarts, and I agree with what you just said. Like, him and Brandon were going at it, Brandon Jones, and it was, you know, your normal bumping and banging at Martinsville. That last lap happened, uh, last lap passed on Brandon Jones, well, it wasn't even a pass. He aggressively hit his bumper, and I don't, I really don't think Brandon Jones could have saved it. It was a harder bump than what – I feel like Ty Gibbs made sure to bump him hard enough to know that he was going to spin out. I don't think he wanted him to hit the wall and wreck him, but he definitely did want to move him completely out of the way so he could win that race. And I'm just dumbfounded because, like, like everybody is saying here, I mean – had Brandon had gone on to win that race, it would have been Brandon Ty versus Noah Gregson and um, Josh Berry, I believe. And now mm-hmm. he has to face against Noah, Josh, and um, Justin Allgaier and Ty Gibbs. He's all by himself. 
And, I mean, I saw the video today of Coach Joe Gibbs talking about it, and, you know, he was like, oh, we're working on it. We're, you know, disappointed in how it ends, yada, yada, and all this stuff. I mean, he needs to really be, in my personal opinion here, Joe and Ty Gibbs need to be really thankful that Brandon Jones is walking out with Minards or Menards uh, in the next race at Phoenix because I'm pretty confident that if that had to go on in the next year with Brandon Jones being at JGR, that they might would have withdrew their sponsorship because that was just stupid. I mean, why would you do that? I mean, to me, he just showed that he's going to do whatever it takes to get the W. Like, it, it doesn't matter if – I mean, if – and there's a difference, too. Like, this was the example I thought of today. Because right after he wrecked them, everybody on Twitter was saying the exact same stuff that he's been saying. Everybody was like, get ready for the Sunday tweet about God and Jesus and all this other stuff. But not only did he do that, he literally said Jesus was hated among the people first. And everybody was like, did he just compare himself to Jesus Christ? <laughs> like, he just wrecked his teammate and then compared himself to Jesus. I mean, I don't – I mean – in my opinion, who else is going to be in the 18 car next year? There's no way Joe Gibbs is going to put anybody else in the 18 car. So he's going to go into that car. But come Sunday, if he pulled that move on Chase Elliott or Joey Logano, he'd be in the hospital because they would send his junk packing. I mean, they would total his car and total his feelings to the point so bad he would have to go to the hospital. That's how bad it would be. I mean, they are, they're they're not going to put up with that crap on Sunday. I mean, look at what Bubba Wallace did to Kyle Larson for just putting him in the wall. He jumped him at Vegas going 180. What do you, what makes you think Bubba wouldn't do that to you, Ty, if you did that to him? I mean, but here was the example I was thinking of. Dan Barnhart was notorious for moving people out of the way. He did it to Terry Labonte at Bristol twice, I think. You know, rattle his cage type thing. When Jeremy Mayfield did it to him at Pocono, Dale Earnhardt was one of the first ones to go into victory lane and congratulate Jeremy Mayfield on that move. So let's rewind to what Ty Gibbs did in Martinsville earlier this year. Not what just happened on Saturday, but earlier this year. Earlier this year, he moved somebody out of the way a couple times. And then in Martinsville, he got moved out of the way by Sam Mayer. And how did Ty Gibbs respond to it? He I, ran over the back of Sam Mayer on that cool-down lap and then got out of it and didn't take his helmet off and started punching Sam Mayer. And that, at that point, was uh, – because I'm, I'm like Mike. Like, Ty Gibbs is the next big prospect behind Chase Elliott, William Byron, Eric Jones, uh, all those guys you can name off that have the talent. He's next. I mean, he really is. I don't – He's the next big superstar. I mean, in his very first Xfinity race, he won it. And not only that, I mean, everybody was like, well, you know, he won his first race. That's a fluke deal or whatever. He went on to win five more races that year, and he ran a part-time schedule. So I was thinking, you know, let's see how he does this year. He's in the championship four. I mean, he, he's going up the cup next year. I, he's not ready for it. Yeah, I mean, but think about he, how he got there. I know. I mean, he is he is Joe Gibbs' grandson, so he's just like Austin Dillon and Ty Dillon, granddaddy's money. But I mean, at least Ty Gibbs. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm really not trying to knock Austin and Ty Dillon here, but the the talent level is 
a massively Fair. greater. I mean, I mean, a, a, it's not even close. But I just that was just dumb. I mean, it should be the championship four for Xfinity should be Ty Gibbs, Brandon Jones, and Josh Berry and Noah Graxton. But I think he maybe he wrecked them on purpose just to show, hey, I can race against the other three JR guy, Junior Motorsports guys, and win. I guess we'll see, but. I'm about like Mike. I feel like somebody's gonna wreck that kid on purpose on Saturday at Phoenix. There's, I mean, and it, I mean, he kind of deserves it. He's been asking for it all year. I mean, he's wrecked. I don't know how many people to win races, and I mean, he did it to his teammate, and that was just idiotic. And like I said, he he and Joe Gibbs need to be lucky that Brandon Jones and Menards or Menards is walking out of the door next weekend at Phoenix because that could not have been a good conversation on Monday or yesterday for Joe Gibbs and Brandon Jones' dad, uh, Menard and uh, Brandon Jones. I mean, Mm -hmm. and and honestly, after watching Joe Gibbs talk today, I just don't think that, I mean, I don't see where they care that much. I mean, I feel like it's going to be another slap on the wrist. I mean, he is, his last name is Gibbs. What are they going to tell him? I mean, don't do it again. Obviously, that hasn't worked because he's done it multiple times this year. <laughs> okay, Jay. Yeah, the on-track thing we've talked about, you have your opinion on that. My loss of respect comes from him for the, the comments afterwards. I mean, that is just ludicrous to, to make that kind of comparison. And, and as I thought about this, as I said, I've, I've had to think about this uh, over two days um, getting ready for the show if anybody should be compared in their behavior of acting in the Lord's image, it was Brandon Jones. We heard several drivers say, well, if that were me, he wouldn't be picking up that clock. He'd be picking himself up off the ground. Noah Gregson being one of them. And we know what kind of temper he has. Brandon Jones never responded to me. That is how you act in the Lord's image. Not what Ty Gibbs did. And if you're going to profess yourself to be that way, you need to act that way. Um, and I think that's where Joe Gibbs is going to step in and have a serious talk with him. I don't know what the plan was. JGR has not announced their future as far as all of their lineups, but I hope this comes into play as to whether or not Ty Gibbs moves up to the Cup Series. Uh, If you're serious about it, that's how you show them. You will spend another year in the Xfinity Series, and we will put somebody else in that Cup ride that has been given to you by – booting Kyle Busch out or letting him go, however you want to look at that. Um, As Sharon put it, I mean, he needs to mature in what on so many levels in this case uh, that, yeah, it's just not time for him to move up. Talent aside that he's not ready. Mike? Well, so – Coach, G- Coach Gibbs, his grandfather, and Coy Gibbs, his father, both said, we're going to do something about it. We're going to address this internally. What are you going to do? The guy's 20 years old. He's not a kid. He's a man. The time to bend him over your knee and tan his backside, that ship has sailed. That's not going to happen. You're not going to sit him for the Xfinity Series championship. Thanks to his actions, he's the only car that your entire race organization has in that championship for. So you're not going to sit him out from there. You're not going to keep him out of the 18 in a cup because who else are you going to put in there? Kyle Busch is gone. Toyota doesn't have anybody else in the pipeline. Kurt Busch is medically retired. 
Tyler Reddick is already filling into the other 2311 slot. It's not like Toyota's got another driver just waiting on deck to take that 18 car. So who are you going to put in the 18? You got nobody. So Ty Gibbs is about the only person you can put in there. So what kind of legitimate, real behavior-changing consequence are they going to be able to put on Ty Gibbs? Nothing. I don't think there's going to be anything there, and I don't think there's going to be a change in behavior. Erica Stepp on YouTube brought up a really good point. Ty Gibbs, through his entire professional racing career, be it in late models and ARCA, Xfinity Series, he's always been in the very best equipment money could buy at the very best team in the series and therefore has been in the best or at least one of the best cars on the racetrack every single weekend at every single level of racing that he's ever been in. How is he going to handle not being in the very best car every single weekend when he gets to cup next year? We've already seen him in the 45 and the 23 when he's been filling in for Kurt Busch, how he handles himself in a cup series race. He's got one top 10. That's good, but it's not wonderful. But more concerningly, he's already taken a swipe at Ty Dillon on pit road at Texas. He's caused a few other incidents on track. He hasn't really gone to the level that he's been at at the Xfinity Series where he's bumping and moving people out of the way. But I think he's just kind of treading lightly right now because he knows he's in a fill-in role and is not really in full-time competition in the Cup Series. So take the, the maturity or lack thereof of Ty Gibbs and plug it into the Cup Series and suddenly put him in a car that he's not used to, namely not the very best car on the racetrack. It's going to get ugly next year. Unless Ty Gibbs has a serious come-to-Jesus meeting with maybe Austin Hill. That, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But he needs like an Austin Hill-level behavior correction at this point if we're going to have a hope of seeing a change in behavior in Ty Gibbs because I don't think there's anything that Joe Gibbs Racing is willing or able to do that will change that behavior. And this isn't NASCAR's problem. This is a Joe Gibbs Racing problem. NASCAR has already said that that was a legitimate racing move. It was unfortunate. It was ugly, but it was in the boundaries of the rules. And I don't disagree with NASCAR's position on this. It's out of their hands. This is not their problem. This is Joe Gibbs Racing's problem, and it's going to be their problem for the next 10 to 15 to 20 years unless they get ahead of it now and they fix it now because it's not going to get better if you let the kid's ego continue to drive the car more than his brain. You know who's not going to feel sorry for Joe Gibbs Racing? Kyle Busch. Joe Gibbs yeah, Racing me neither. Has done, Joe Gibbs Racing has done this to themselves. They pushed Kyle Busch out in order to have that seat available for Ty Gibbs. Now they've got a problem because guess, guess who Brandon Jones' dad is? He owns Ream. That's one of the big sponsors in NASCAR. They're not going to be a Joe Gibbs Racing sponsor, I don't think, at this point. Um, Ty Gibbs is going to end up losing sponsorship. They thought Kyle Busch was a problem. Wait till they have to deal with Ty Gibbs, because or uh, Kyle Busch. Wait till they have to deal with Ty uh, Gibbs. He's got a problem, and his they should have addressed it a long time ago, and they haven't. They've let it slide. They've let it slide. He's He's got talent. I'm not denying that the kid's got talent. But you're right. He's 20 years old, and you've let it slide up to this point. Well, 
they're going to pay a price for it unless they address it immediately. He's got it. And, and Sal said it. I know you said they're not going to do it, and they probably won't. But they need to sit him out of that championship race and say, no, you're not going to race for a championship this weekend. Let you find out how it feels to be taken out of that opportunity to race for that championship because that's exactly what you did to Brandon Jones. That's what they really do need to do. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but they need to give him a taste of his own medicine, and they need to really address him. I, I've been saying it, and I've been saying it, and I hope somebody's listening from the Gibbs organization. That kid needs a good sitting-down conversation that really gets through to him, and th- he needs a consequence for his behavior. And if NASCAR is not going to do it, you have it in your hands to do it. Take him out of the race and put somebody else in that car because he should not be racing for a championship this weekend. Uh, And I think he needs to understand how it feels to be taken out of that opportunity to race for that championship. Um, And and that's the only thing that's going to really make sense to me. Uh, and if they don't do that, then I think you guys are right. They're not really going to do much, and the same it's going to be same old, same old. And um, now uh, 2311, they haven't said what they've done to Bubba Wallace for his actions. They said that Bubba lost uh, over a million dollars over that situation based on some things that uh, 2311 is doing. But... Uh, he need they need to the this organization nascar's left it in in joe gibbs racing's hands to do something they need to do something and if it was me if it was my kid he wouldn't be racing for a championship this weekend he'd be sitting at home watching it on tv and uh that's going to speak to him and he's got some anger issues you mentioned the ty gibbs thing He's got some anger issues, and he needs to be sent to anger management. He needs to get a different perspective. He needs to go through some kind of a program that's going to give him a different perspective on life because right now he's got a very unrealistic perception of what life is about and what his role in life is. Um, Not a very healthy perception. And I, I think they've got a big, big problem uh, that is is brewing, and they need to handle it uh, aggressively, <laughs> uh, and maybe I should say assertively. They need to handle it very assertively uh, in in how they handle Ty Gibbs. Uh, I know he's 20. To me, he's old enough to know better on some of these things, but I, I see it as bad parenting <laughs> from the get-go, and I think it's a bad reflection on Joe Gibbs racing right now. And if they want to have that problem uh, going forward, then don't do anything but or do something mild. But they're asking for it, and and I think they brought it on to themselves. Tommy, I'll let you have the last word. Well, um, like I said, I saw Joe Gibbs' video today where they said they were working on it internally. I mean, that's what they've said the past few times. And, you know, Ty Gibbs has tweeted every Sunday after his actions on Saturday or Monday after his actions on Sunday. And it's been, you know, 
it's all God's plan, yada yada, whatever crap that he's got going. And now, I don't, I mean, I mean, I didn't now mean he thinks to do he's it. Jesus, so. <laughs> yeah, now he thinks he's Jesus. So I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, but I, I will say this: I'm not too worried about if Joe Gibbs doesn't correct this or Coy Gibbs because. You're right. Like we've already said, I mean, who he is going in that 18 car next year. If he's not in that 18 car next car next year. I am going to be very surprised. I mean, that is the that has been the number one car for Joe Gibbs Racing since the 90s, and now his grandson is old enough to drive it. That's who's going to be in that car, even if he don't have sponsorship. He's still going to be in that car, driving it around, black or green, whatever color it is. But come Sunday next year, if he pulls that crap on Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, well, no, I can't say Denny Hamlin because he's not going to do anything. If he pulls that crap on Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, um, Eric Jones, any of those guys, he ain't going to be winning any races because he's going to be in the garage area while his car is getting fixed on. Or he's going to be on the way home back to Charlotte because he's out. I mean, they're not going to deal with that crap. I mean, they're just not. And like you guys are saying, too, Brandon Jones, I mean, what class? I mean, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, I just I can't get over it. I mean, he literally wrecked a teammate, and it could have been two versus two for the, uh, the championship race. And now it's Ty Gibbs yeah. versus the world, and I mean, and like y'all are saying, they, he needs to sit out. They're not going to do that because he gets to compete for the championship, and he's the only car in that organization. And honestly, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he wins it. I think it's going to come down to him and Noah Grack. Um, preferably, no, I'd Noah like will wreck him. <laughs> oh, yeah, Noah, Noah will too. Uh, and, you know, after the race, Ty Gibbs is going to keep his helmet on calls for whatever reason. I guess he's scared to get hit in the face. I mean, I guess. He is the guy that can wreck you and then punch you, and it's okay. He's the only one that can do that in his eyes. Calls, you know, okay, I have to interrupt you real quick. I'm sorry. I'll okay. let you continue on here in a minute. I It's that time of the night that I have to do an announcement, to, especially to our first-time listeners. If you're listening for the first time, we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, but we are going to continue our conversation and we're going to record that part of the conversation as part of the bonus overtime material uh, for our podcast. What I do is I go out on Twitter and Facebook. It's Fan for Racing site on Twitter and uh, Fan for Racing blog and radio on Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to the podcast uh, the player that is on our website, com. just fast forward to the two-hour mark, and you can hear the rest of the conversation. So, again, I didn't want anybody to be caught off guard, and that's why I interrupted Tommy. But, Tommy, I want you to go ahead and complete your thoughts there. So, um, uh, like Mike, said uh it was a funny analogy mike when he said he needs an austin hill correction yeah he needs an austin hill correction big time but if if austin hill punched uh ty gibbs like that he'd be behind bars because that would be what joe gibbs would do which is mm-hmm. also dumb in my opinion because ty gibbs is asking for it but he also says something about eric Estep um saying, you know, if you look at late models and ARCA and Xfinity, he's only ever been in top-tier equipment. Yes, that is true, very very much so true. But 
you still got to win races. And he has won some cleanly. So I still think he's the next big talent behind Chase Elliott and William Byron and those guys. But, I mean, it, that is just not going to work on Sunday. And in, in my opinion, too, with 23XI, he's just completing laps right now. And he already said, too, that he's basically just turning laps, just trying not to get the car damaged and finish races so that way he can just have the car finish in, like, the top 20 or top 30 in points or whatever. So I don't really think he's trying because – in my opinion, like, I think they've already raced a few road courses race, uh, this year with him in, in that 23 car, 45 car. That kid is just as good as Chase Elliott and some of those other guys, in my opinion, at road courses. So I feel like he could have been competing with them, and they told him not to. But, um, I mean, he's ran so many races since Pocono. Is he even going to be eligible for Rookie of the Year? But I, I'm sure he will be. I mean, him and Noah are going to be the next two rookies next year. If if they, you know, decide to pull Ty from that car next year. But I, I just – I don't see it. I highly doubt it. But, um, yeah, I, it was just a bonehead move all the way around. I mean, you wrecked your teammate, and then you compared yourself to Jesus the next day. That's just not going to go over well. He is now the number – I mean, Kyle Busch is no longer the number one hated driver in NASCAR. I think it's between Bubba and Ty. I really did. I mean, Ty got straight up booed on Saturday after he made that move. And, mm-hmm. I mean, people don't really like Brandon Jones either because they think he's part of that whole granddaddy's money ordeal. Because, like you said, he has Reem. Yeah, something tells me Reem ain't going to be on Chris Rebell's car next year. It might be on Kevin Harvick's mm-hmm. car, but it ain't going to be on Chris Rebell's car. And um, we'll see what Joe and Corey Gibbs do, but... I more or less think it's going to be a uh, slap on the wrist again. And I think when we roll into 2023, he's going to do that to Joey Logano or somebody, and then we're going to have that Austin Hill correction that we're talking about. Okay. We'll let that be the final word. Um, Jay, you get the uh, next hot topic. Well, uh, these two have been kind of a, I don't want to say negative as far as Chastain, but uh, some people view it as a negative. We're going to try to move to a positive. First positive, I'd like to say, if people have forgotten, Christopher Bell won the race. I I know that's kind of getting overlooked, but the topic, uh, hot topic I want to move on to is Parker Kligerman getting a full-time ride with Big Machine Racing. Okay, Mike. This is kind of unexpected, really. I know Parker's been clawing and scratching in the truck series and a couple Xfinity rides here and there. Uh, I don't know that he – I could be wrong. I don't know that he's driven that 48 car at all this year. There's been a lot uh, – has he? Uh, either way, there's been a lot of part-time drivers in that 48. I know they started uh, with a full-time driver earlier in the year. That didn't work out, and then they kind of went to a rotating – arrangement with cup drivers and whatnot so to see parker land a full-time ride i'm really happy for him he's kind of one of those old school hard-nosed racers who's he doesn't have deep roots in the sport you know he's not a granddaddy's money kind of a racer he's somebody who has made it on his talent and his skill and the connections that he's made uh he spent some time working for nbc he does great work for nbc but i'm glad to see him get that full-time opportunity and i hope he does really well with them next year that 48 car has looked all right depending on who's driving it uh so I think the equipment may be there next year for Parker to really showcase his talent. So it's going to be up to him to, to do what he can do. 
Okay, Tommy. Yes, very well deserved in my opinion. He won a truck race this year, and a lot of people in the NASCAR circuit talk about how he's talented. And, and you know, I guess we could say you know he's one of those like Matt Benedetto and um, some other guys like that. Put him in any car. He's going to find a way to put it in the top 20, top 15, top 10 area. He finally did have that breakthrough win at uh, the road course this year in the truck series. And uh, that 48 car he's going to be in in the Xfinity series uh, has had some good runs this year with their multiple drivers cast. But it looks like it's going to be a full-time ride for him next year, which is awesome. Uh, Maybe he'll work his way back up to Cup. I feel like he has run some Cup races, but, you know, they were for – what you would call bottom tier teams. But, um, I mean, like I said, when you, the truck races he has ran this year, if you've watched that car, that truck's been in the top 10. So he's got the talent. Um, and, uh, he does, he is like a pit reporter on the weekends on Sunday too, if he's not racing. Uh, so yeah, and he's likable. And I feel like he was also pretty good at that eye racing stuff two or three years ago when, or two years ago when COVID was happening because I remember that. So like he won one of those races too. So I mean, all around, just a talented guy and he's finally going to get a shot in the Xfinity Series and I wouldn't say top tier equipment, but it's not bottom tier equipment either. So, you know, we'll see how he does. That team's on the come up and what a good guy to tab for the come up. I wouldn't, wouldn't shock me one bit if he wins the race next year, but uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, maybe he takes that opportunity next year in that car and somebody gets really impressed and he signs a bigger deal somewhere else, um, which would which would be awesome. So we'll have to see about that one. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Parker Kligerman is a real likable guy. He's He's got talent. Uh, he's had uh, the harder road to hoe, if you will. Uh, to develop his career in in NASCAR, Uh, and this is a good opportunity. I think it is a reciprocal uh, opportunity for big machine racing as well to bring in somebody like Parker Kligerman uh, that can give them a a really – that that can help the organization as much as they're helping him. So I think they tapped into a really good guy. Uh, There's not a whole lot more that I can say. You guys have really hit on uh, some really good points. So I'm going to pass it on to uh, Jay at this point. I'm happy for Parker. Well, I'll still come up with something to say, whether it's been said already or not. And, yeah, I'll go with Mike on this one. That Both points of happy to see it for Parker Kligerman. Uh, most certainly, I think he is one that has been deserving of a full-time ride somewhere. The one that you guys mentioned a couple, the other one that kept popping in my mind and we may see in the future is Ryan Priest. Um, just anytime he gets in anybody's car, gets the absolute most out of it, and a lot of times winning races are running top five. With big machine racing, I know they started, as it was said, of with a full-time driver, it didn't work, and they went to a rotation. I think they're at the level where a full-time driver is going to help them, and I think they can then compete. Obviously, we've seen a couple of the cup drivers win in their car, so if they can win, be in the uh, in the playoffs. And as we've talked about track house racing, GMS racing, the development, I think they're right on that verge, if not they're already, of having gone from that 
mid-stage, mid-pack, ready for a full-time driver to compete for the playoffs, if not the championship. And by putting a driver in there full-time is how you're going to do that. Parker Kligerman is one that I think can get that done. The surprise to me is generally, though, when a team does that, it comes with a younger driver or a driver, I know Mike's not going to like this, that comes with some sponsorship with them um, or one that maybe isn't as experienced that they don't have to pay as much. So I was a little surprised with that as far as that direction, but I think it's going to be a good pairing, and I do think that they are already, I would have to consider them a playoff uh, eligible, if not a full championship contending team. Okay, Mike. Uh, nothing against Parker. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to jump as far ahead on this as Jay is and, and start penciling for Phoenix next year or anything like that. Uh, I've definitely seen a lot of potential, a lot of growth out of that 48 team this year. I think having that rotation of Cup Series drivers, uh, including Austin Dillon, I think Alex Bohm, and a lot of the Chevrolet drivers from the Cup Series have done a race or two in that 48 car this year, and I think that's contributed a lot to the improvement that they've had getting those veteran cup series drivers in there who can provide the feedback on the car in order to make it better both in race adjustments as well as what to do setup wise while they're back at the shop to prepare for the next race i think that's really contributed to the improvement of that team and having an experienced veteran driver like parker kligerman in there is going to be another real benefit for a new team like that getting that experience. Parker knows race cars. He knows he's been around them. He's been on the media side of it, seeing the different strategies from different teams, a whole bunch of different viewpoints. So I think Parker Kligerman brings an advantage that goes beyond just a guy who can run a steering wheel and some pedals. Parker Kligerman has a lot of experience inside and outside of race cars that I think is going to really benefit a new and improving team like that. Do I think they're playoff capable? Absolutely, especially considering the field for the Xfinity Series next year. I think if big machine racing continues on the trajectory that they're on, I don't see any reason why they couldn't be contending for the playoffs. Are they championship contenders? I don't want to make that call yet. I don't want to get ahead of things. I'm not going to say no. I certainly see no reason to count them out, but I'll be content to see them run playoff eligible, playoff contending. That'd be great. I think that's a great achievable goal for them next year. And if they exceed that, I'll be right there cheering them along. Okay, Tommy. I don't have really much to add there besides um, I feel like Parker's going to be pretty solid for them next year. Might get a win. I don't know about competing for a championship either because, like I said, I feel like that team is on the upcome. I don't feel like they're a top-tier team, but they're definitely not bottom-tier. But um, it would not be the least bit surprising to me if Parker pulls off a, a win at, like, a road course or a uh, super speedway in that car. Um, but, yeah, I think he's definitely deserving. He is uh, a talented guy, and um, we'll see what he can do in the Xfinity Series next year. Okay, this is going to sound a little off the wall, but I'm going to tie it into our previous conversation here. Um, if I were Ty, if I were Joe Gibbs, I'd put Kligerman in that number 18 and put Ty Gibbs in that number 48 uh, for at least a year and let him get a different experience uh, on the racetrack. Uh, just a crazy thought that crossed my mind, but um, I think that might work. <laughs> Jay. 
Well, I was gonna I was gonna leave it up to Mike here uh, of where he wants to draw the betting line. Uh, what round that uh, the 48 big machine racing with Parker Kligerman gets eliminated? When I say the championship contending, I think they do have the talent. But you got to look at we're talking about three already this year, three junior motorsports teams um, in the championship four. So getting into the championship four is a tough task, no doubt. Um, but I do really believe that they can contend for it. Uh, you look at the numbers they had this year in the rotation of drivers, having that one solid driver and Parker Kligerman being a very solid driver when it comes to that of one driver. Uh, I'd be willing to go pretty far with them uh, as far as looking at, to, the, uh, to the championship. Okay. Uh, we are back to Mike. You get the next hot topic, Mike. Well, I kind of hinted at this when we were talking about Ty Gibbs, but it's, the only reason this got overshadowed was because of the Ty Gibbs incident. There was a really ugly incident on Pitt Road after the Martinsville race. NBC had a video, and I haven't seen any other angles of it other than this NBC video, looking down Pitt Road, and you can see Austin Hill absolutely level Myatt Snyder with a vicious right hook. And NASCAR said they were going to look into it. Steve O'Donnell said he thought it crossed the line. But this afternoon, NASCAR announced that there was no penalty coming for Austin Hill as a result of that incident. I'm wondering what everyone thinks. Okay, Tommy, you get the first uh, thought here. Yeah, it was a very uh, vicious hit. In fact, if Austin Hill doesn't make it as a NASCAR driver, he can he should consider boxing or MMA because, I mean, Myatt went flying. I would not be the least bit surprised if Myatt had a concussion. I mean, I feel like – I remember – I saw the video at, of the altercation after it happened, and Myatt did look like he was stumbling. But somebody said that he got body slammed, too, afterwards. So double the injury after seeing the angle that Mike put in the thing because, I mean, that right hook sent Myatt – flying backwards and on his face. Um, I, I can't believe they're not going to at least suspend him one race. I feel like a one-race suspension for that would be uh, warranted. Like, you're done for the year, we'll see you next year, because I don't have a problem with him fighting, like, a punch or two, but that wasn't even a punch. Like, Myatt was just standing there talking to him, and he got rocked. I mean, that. I've never seen – I mean, it was like a cartoon almost. I mean, Myatt did a 360 turnaround right on his face. That's how hard he got punched. And uh, that's why I'm saying I'm okay with, like, Daniel Hemrick and Graxon last year having a little fight, but not, not a an RKO, knock somebody out, give them a concussion-type punch. I mean, that's what Steve O'Donnell said crossed the line, in my opinion. Um, now, had it happened to Ty Gibbs, I actually might have been okay with it because Ty Gibbs was asking for it. I don't know what Myatt did, but I highly doubt Myatt did Myatt Snyder or did anything like Ty Gibbs did Austin Hill. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if y'all saw the replay either, but yeah, he Myatt probably. Uh, and for any driver that wants to mess with Austin Hill now, yeah, go watch that video. They're, Austin's the only one now that can wreck somebody, and they'll say, you know what, it's cool. Just don't punch me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jay. Well, Dave Moody provided a little bit of insight, and he said he had it third or fourth hand, so I'm going to pass it along fifth hand. Um, for what he knows, I don't know what the conversation started as, 
but Austin Hill did make a statement that it's time for you to go. And Maya Schneider apparently chose not to. So he was asked again a little more aggressively. Uh, you're saying it's okay to throw punches? I guess Austin should have thrown a second one then because he only had to throw one from what I could see of it. <laughs> you know, I, if you're going to throw one, make it count, I guess. I, again, I don't know what it was that the discussion was about. Dave Moody reported that he said he had been told the other people that uh, Austin Hill made the statement, it's time for you to go, and wanted him away from him. And when he didn't, he made him go away. <laughs> okay. So your thoughts about the punch? Uh, apparently he's got a good right hook. I mean, I, like I said, if you're going to throw one, make it count. You know, this throwing little ones and not doing anything other than flailing your arms. Whether or not NASCAR should do anything, that's a tough call. I mean, uh, it didn't affect anybody else. The only one it affected was Myatt Schneider, uh, again, because it happened so quick and it was just the one. There was no scuffle and nobody else got involved because it was done and over before anybody else could even react. Uh, so um, there comes a line I understand, and, you know, if NASCAR were to have said they were going to take action, I could understand it. The fact that they're not, I can understand that, too, because it was between just the two of them. There were no crew members involved. There were no NASCAR officials involved. So uh, it's between the two of them. Uh, I know the question of bringing up assault charges has been brought up. Uh, that has happened before. But generally speaking, when participating in an event like this, a sporting event, particularly it seems like racing, you kind of take that risk with it, especially if you're up in their face, like I said, and was asked to leave uh, from what I've heard. Okay. That's what's going to be my question is <clears throat> I'd like to have been a fly on the, on the air. I guess there's no wall there, but I would have liked to have been around so I could hear what it is that they were talking about. Um, was there an incident on the track that happened? that kind of had them talking to one another? Yeah, there was. I, I haven't seen what exactly the incident for sure that they were discussing, but if anything, it looked like Austin Hill was in the wrong on the track. It was you know, typical Martinsville kind of stuff, but, yes, there was an incident on the track that led to this. Yeah, and, and I don't know that uh, Austin uh, – not Austin, what's his name? Myatt Snyder – I don't know if Myatt Snyder uh, is nearly as big as Austin uh, Hill is. Hill is is kind of a stocky, well-built kind of guy. So getting getting uh, clocked the way he did by uh, Austin Hill, uh, I don't think there's any way he could have fought back. Um, again, if he was asked to leave and he didn't leave, uh, he's probably not going to file assault charges, but he he does have that option if he wants to. It doesn't mean that he has to. Most of the time, drivers don't file assault charges on these things. Uh, they just find a way to work it out. But um, I think that's the only way NASCAR would maybe get involved in it. Uh, but I, I just think that... Uh, uh, that was a little above and beyond a normal fight uh, between two competitors. It To me, it's a little bit like, and I think, Mike, you brought this up earlier, uh, the thing with uh, Daryl Wallace and uh, Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson had no interest in fighting. I don't think Myatt Snyder 
uh, really had any interest in fighting either. Uh, so to be clocked like that uh, is is a little overkill, if you will. <laughs> he he had the option of walking away too. Uh, if he wanted to, if he didn't want to engage in the conversation anymore, Austin Hill could have walked away uh, instead of expecting Myatt Snyder to walk away. So I don't know. Uh, I, it's hard to really make a judgment call on something like that uh, when you don't really, you've got just little bits and pieces, and you don't really know what happened in that situation. But from what we can see, it sounds like an unfair. Uh, clocking uh, to Maya Snyder, and it didn't look like Maya Snyder was in any position uh, to fight back. So I, I know NASCAR, it, it kind of goes back to the boys have at it kind of thing. Uh, whatever it is they're arguing about, it's between them, and they're going to let them handle it. And that's pretty much uh, the way they've left it. But I don't think it – well, I don't know what the situation is there, but it looks like it was one-sided. Mike? So you kind of alluded to my point on this. And Steve O'Donnell said there's a line. Well, where's the line? There's, it's not written down anywhere, but I would think that the definition of acceptable versus unacceptable has to come with some sort of a mutual agreement. Not that, hey, you, got, yeah, you want to fight? Yeah, let's fight. I don't think we need to have you know, a written agreement about it, but both – parties need to kind of be under in the understanding that they're having a fight so for example uh ty gibbs versus sam mayer at martinsville earlier this year acceptable they both knew they were fighting that's not over the line you know they can land as many punches on each other as, as everyone around them sees fit whatever that's as far as it needs to go because they're both in a fight and they want to be fighting each other noah gregson versus harrison burton last year or two years ago same deal mutual fight the line, though, is when one party clearly does not want to fight or doesn't even know that a fight's going. Bubba Wallace versus Kyle Larson a couple weeks ago at Las Vegas. Larson very clearly had no interest in fighting Bubba Wallace. So the second time that Wallace put his hands, the first time Wallace shoves Larson, if Larson comes back and shoves him back, it's on. It's a fight. The second time, that's over the line. You are now attacking somebody who very clearly wants to de-escalate the situation. That's over the line. Same thing in this situation. I haven't seen other video angles. The only thing I've seen is that one NBC video. But from what you can tell in the video, it looks like they're about arm's length away from each other, so it's not like they're in each other's face. They're not bumping chests. Both of them have their hands down. They're not shoving each other. And then all of a sudden, here comes Austin Hill with the haymaker. I don't think Maya Snyder knew he was in a fight until he was on the ground. That's over the line. That, I don't know that we need to get the cops involved and take them away in cuffs, but I think that's over the line where NASCAR should act. Myatt Snyder didn't know he was in a fight until after he got hit, and it's not like he was posing any kind of a threat. You can say, say whatever words you want that doesn't pose a threat to somebody to justify them putting their hands on you. That's, uh, that's, that's kindergarten stuff. You learn it in kindergarten. It doesn't matter what somebody says to you. You're not okay to hit them. That's kind of how that goes. And it's the same thing here with grown adults having a disagreement about what they did driving race cars. Same thing. You don't put your hands on somebody else, especially if they're not putting their hands on you. It's not like Austin Hill was defending himself because Myatt Snyder was there in his face. I would say regardless of what happened on the racetrack, regardless of the words that were said, Austin Hill was the only person to put his hands up 
He's in the wrong here, and I think he should have been penalized for it. Whether they sit him for next week's race or some sort of financial or points penalty, something here, I think this was over the line, and NASCAR should have stepped in and done something about it. Tommy? Yeah, um, uh, like like I said earlier, I'm okay with fighting. In fact, like you know, the fighting adds an excitement level and fans kind of do want to see it. Now, I don't want to see it every weekend or anything like that, but like Daniel Hemrick and Noah last year, Harrison and Noah last year, Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer earlier this year, like Mike is saying, like we knew those were going to be fights. Those were the exciting ones. What happened, and I get what Jay's saying, too, like, this guy only threw one punch. They threw multiple punches, you know, but from the video I saw, Maya looked like he was talking to him, and then he was on his face. Um, in the, in, I mean, it well, that has to be one of the hardest punches I think I've ever seen, not being in boxing or MMA. I mean, I've never seen somebody go flying backwards like that before, and... I think Austin Hill should be very lucky that he doesn't have an assault charge filed against him. And that's another thing, too. I don't want to see any of that crap because had Austin Hill had punched Ty Gibbs like that, I know it would have been an assault charge against him. And then Austin Hill would have been out of his ride because that's that's what they got to do. And I don't, I don't like that. Like, these guys are driving at 100-plus miles an hour every race that they do. And when they get wrecked, they don't like it. And I like to see the emotions and sometimes the fight. But I don't want to see some dude concussed because of it. And I'm telling you, I saw the video first of Myatt trying to stand up afterwards, and he was wobbly. So that's how hard Austin Hill hit him. And I'm not really okay with that. Um, Now, was it a good punch? Yes, very good punch. I mean, he knocked him out, probably. I don't know. But he I've had to see Myatt Snyder get picked up and walked away after he got hit. And um, like I said, after uh, Xfinity drivers, truck drivers, cup drivers, if you're listening and you saw that hit if you watched the video, I would not mess with Austin Hill because he will level you. <laughs> okay, Jay. Well, here's the problem is we really don't know what the whole thing was about. Uh, there's no good uh, good video. The, the audio, obviously, we don't have. As I said, what I got was third hand, fourth hand already. Um, you know, if Austin Hill said, hey, get out of my face or I'm going to knock you out, he backed it up. If that's the case, though, I understand what Mike's saying uh, as far as NASCAR maybe should have at least taken some action. If it was the fact that it was just between the two of them like that, then it may become a legal, possibly assault uh, issue. Uh, the other thing I was thinking there after Sharon uh, went around the first time, maybe he had a fly. The fly wasn't on the wall. It was on his face, and Austin was just trying to swat it. You know, I, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We just don't know exactly what happened there. Uh, we can see the hit. It seems like it's a one-sided uh, I, I didn't see the part with uh, Myatt uh, falling down, uh, but I would imagine with that swing that he took, it doesn't surprise me if he fell down and had trouble getting back up. Um, but again, I go back to 
if he was done with the conversation, what is the problem with him walking away? Why did it have to be Myatt that walked away? That's what I don't understand, if it's the walking away thing. Uh, Austin Hill could have very well walked away from that, and he didn't. So I do see him as kind of in the wrong here. I don't know what happened on the track. It sounds like maybe he did something uh, that was overly aggressive on the track as well, and Myatt was trying to talk to him about it. Um, it, it would be nice if we knew more of the details of what, what exactly we're talking about here. It's It's really tough to uh, make a judgment call on this and, and not really know what's going on. Uh, Mike? Well, unfortunately, NASCAR has decided they're not going to take action here. Um, for whatever reason, even though Steve O'Donnell said he believed it was over, over the line, he is not the end-all, be-all when it comes to assessing penalties and examining situations. So just because Steve O'Donnell has an opinion on a situation, that doesn't necessarily mean that's how it is. But they did say that they're going to look into the fighting issue in the off season. So this, I don't know how much further we really need to go with it though. Obviously, at least I've got my opinion and I, I, I'd like to think I stated it fairly clearly in my previous reply where there is a line. And if you're hitting somebody who very clearly doesn't even know a fight's on, you're over that line. So that's, I'd like to see some action taken there to deter that kind of behavior. And like you said, Sharon, you can say whatever you want to my face, and I don't have to hit you. I can turn around and walk away. That's, if I'm Austin Hill, I am under no obligation to hit Myatt Snyder. No matter how long he stands there, no matter how long he runs his mouth, there's nothing that makes me hit him. I can walk away. Austin Hill chose not to walk away. He chose to hit Myatt Snyder, and he hit him real hard. So – I think that's over the line. I think that's poor decision-making on Austin Hill's part. And, unfortunately, I, I strongly disagree with NASCAR's decision here to not put some sort of a penalty on Austin Hill, not just to punish him for that behavior, but to deter future instances of that behavior where somebody decides they want to tell somebody to walk away with their fists versus walking away themselves. Yeah. Um... Okay, we are at 10 o'clock, so we're going to have to kind of uh, cut the show at this point. But uh, let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Tommy, you get to go first. Um, at since 95 fan on Twitter, uh, give me a follow. Um, I'll post. I've been posting some of my diecasts uh, with the day's date. Um, I think tomorrow is a. Uh, Brett Bodine Hooters car and a Kevin Harvick AC mm-hmm. Delco. Are, so take a look and uh, thanks for having me back on the show okay it's always good to have you here Tommy Mike sure it's going to be Mike underscore is oh Mike double underscore O on reddit all right race car drivers are fast they got to drive really really quick but me I've got to be quicker than everyone tomorrow because tomorrow, tickets for North Wilkesboro go on sale at noon. And I've got to be faster than everybody else clicking the purchase button. I'm buying my tickets for North Wilkesboro tomorrow. And if I need to Austin Hill somebody to get them, I'll do it. I'm going to North Wilkesboro. <laughs> well, let's hope you don't have to do that. Jay? <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8, on Twitter and Instagram. And I got two things here to wrap up. First, I don't know that I've ever agreed with Mike more than on one thing tonight, and that is Maya Schneider didn't know he was in a fight until he hit the ground, and it was over at yeah. that point. 
second thing is I know hockey has a, has a rule about fighting. Both players have to throw down their gloves, and then the refs will let them have at it until one of them goes down. Um, so I don't know if, how NASCAR would incorporate that, but there is a way. You know, if you both want to fight, step over here, uh, something to that effect. But we'll see uh, how they address that. I, I do think that maybe it was a little out of line from what we can see. Um, like I said, I don't know if Austin Hill asked him, told him, you know, said, hey, Lever, I'm going to knock you out. If he did, he at least backed it up. Okay. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, uh, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our uh, Fan for Racing website where we have our radio player uh, where fans can listen to live broadcast or the uh, podcast after we complete our show. So we appreciate everybody for tuning in and uh, definitely uh, hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. Uh, also, a big shout-out to our Fan for Racing crew, uh, Sal Segala, Jay Huseman, uh, Mike Orzell, and Tommy Kraft all here tonight. And uh, you guys always make it an interesting night on Fan for Racing Radio and a lot of fun, so I appreciate each and every one of you as well. Uh, also, uh, we are going to do our preview show this Thursday night. Uh, and I don't know if you realize it, Jay, but this is our last preview show of the year. Uh, so our last Thursday night uh, preview for the season finale, uh, four championships on the line with the ARCA West and NASCAR's top three series. So uh, it's going to be a good uh, and interesting night previewing all of those races on Thursday night, but it will be our last. Yeah, we knew it was coming. Yep, we sure did. Uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend of racing. In fact, I started to put the show together today, and uh, my mind had already moved on to Phoenix, and everything I was writing was about Phoenix. I'm going, wait a minute, we haven't done the Martinsville review yet. I had to kind of go back and redo everything. Um, I'm, I'm, that's how much I'm looking forward uh, to the Phoenix races this weekend. In fact, Jay, I think I put everything on your uh on your um, channel before I realized it's not Jay tonight, it's Sal. So uh, I've kind of moved ahead. I'm already into Phoenix uh, and ready for those races. I think it's going to be exciting all the way around. So looking forward to the preview show on Thursday, and then we'll do our final review show on Monday night next week. So uh, the season is winding down here, and uh, uh, although – I'm looking forward to having a little bit of time off here from the radio show. I'm going to miss it because it's always a lot of fun. So thank you, everybody, and uh, we'll call that a wrap. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you on Thursday.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.